I want candy. Uh uh uh. Halloween etiquette. You gotta say trick or treat. I'm 40 years old. Don't make me do these childish things. Oh, and what are you dressed up as? A jack o' lantern? No, I'm an adult dressed as a pumpkin. I want candy. Aren't you supposed to say trick or treat? Smell my feet? Yada yada yada. Go pull down my underwear? Well, joke's on you because I put on eight pairs of underwear this morning. But lucky for you, I've already had seven visitors. Ah, uh, just give me some candy. All right, here's a handful of big hunk. Oh, God, this better be candy. Ah, uh, boo humbug. These are all fun sizes. I came to Brett once specifically to be given full-size candy bars. Stickers, recess, Sour Patch people, Whoppers the size of my head. A Kit Kat you could raft down a river on. This pillowcase is barely tugging on my wrists. I'm off to B&E, just get some M&M. Lousy affluent neighborhood full of bums. Not just the ones that are trick-or-treating. <sighs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting too old for this. Maybe trick-or-treating is more of a 30-somethings game. Maybe, maybe it's time to hang up my Mash the Movie pillowcase once and for all. Well, Halloween ain't what it used to be. Ah, what the hell, just one more for the road. What's this? Water's in full-size candy factory in the middle of Brentwood? How irregular! No, it's not. It's Brentwood! Par for the course! OJ's innocent! Brentwood's own! I wonder if anyone's home. I'm home. Who are you? Watterson, welcome to my factory. I make candy. I want candy! <laughs> Forward. You're supposed to say trick-or-treat, unless you would prefer a tour of my factory with all the full-size treats you can eat. Full-size? Full Sign me up, stranger who's trying to lure me into his home using candy. I have just one question for you. Do you prefer candy? Or sweets? Yes. Yes, I do. Then welcome to my factory. Come. Wait, wait, wait. This isn't one of those whimsical chocolate factories, is it? Well, I was thinking maybe I'd try something. Don't! I didn't come here for whimsy. There better not be any magical creatures to help you do all the work. Uh, well, uh... No, go! I came here for candy. I want candy. Well, let me just fire up the old candy ma- Watch the whimsy. Candy maker. Uh, that isn't whimsy you're hearing. It's merely poorly maintained since I have no help here. And bordering on whimsy, but it smells great. Boy, I can't wait to stick my rotten teeth into that full-size candy bar. No matter what it is, I'll be happy. How long does this thing take, friend? It's ready. All right, here we go. Behold, my signature creation. Chicka sticks? You had me waiting around forever for a chicka sticks? Everybody loves chicka sticks. Nobody loves chicka sticks and nobody loves you. Ooh, truth. But you see, it's a very intensive process taking these sticks and chickifying them. I don't want to hear about the process. I want candy. This isn't candy. This is rations from the Dust Bowl. What else do you have? Well, I have all the hits. Sixlets, bottle caps, Idaho spuds, mallow cups, smarties, loose pez, and black licorice. Oh, God, do you have any chocolates at least? Of course, we have Tootsie Rolls. Uh, you wasted my time, you fake whimsy bastard and your bad candy. You lose. Good day, sir. No, please. There is one more. Well, what is it? I want candy. It's not quite ready. It's missing one ingredient. I want it. Okay, fine. But it is still Halloween after all, so maybe you'll indulge an old candy man and... Let me hear it one more time. Trick or cheat? No, just give me the candy. I'm afraid I have to insist. Trick or treat? Trick. The final ingredient is now in, and my masterpiece is finally complete. <laughs> Hey, Mr. Water! 
for sale? Well, yes. I know how much you have enjoyed my previous hits, Candy Corn, Bitto Honey, Valentine's Day Sweethearts, and March. <laughs> yeah, I love them. Well, here it is. A candy to sweep the nation. The candy that'll end all warheads. Necco wafers. <laughs> kind of chalky. Tastes like dusty old Smarties. Well, he wasn't so smarty when I ground him up into a powder and cooked him into the candy that I just fed you. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? That'll be two ninety nine. Welcome to Ally Meekly. Stop clapping. <laughs> My heart hurts me. <laughs> It's the non-rhyme robot. Welcome, Welcome from the echoiest room, this side of the other room that we record in. In, 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 in. <laughs> in Dolby Echo Surround. <laughs> oh, my seat's rumbling. Hi, uh, welcome to episode 59, 58, no, 58, 58, yeah. 58, not there yet, 58. No, come on. I got a, a little ahead of myself. I did all the research for the next couple of months, so <laughs> I'm ready for episode 59 I, right now. I became unlocked from time, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm Billy Pilgrim. I'm, record, <laughs> I'm recording episodes 58, 59, and 74 right now. I turn around, I'm here in November. I turn left, I'm here in September. I look up, it's the breakfast of champions. <laughs> I look down, it's, what else did he write? Cat's Cradle. Cats cradle. Cats in the cradle. <laughs> and it's Christmas time. Oh my god. <laughs> no. Well, no. the cats no. in the cradle and it's Halloween time. I hate this so much. <laughs> it's a black cat in the cradle oh. this time of year. And he's holding a mouse. A dead mouse with a five for an S. We're burying the lead, and now we're about to exhume the <laughs> lead. It's October. It's yeah. Halloween time. We made it to Halloween time again. Yeah. Lucky us. We're simply oh, having <laughs> a wonderful Halloween time. <laughs> I like parody songs, but uh, changing the seasons. <laughs> you love to sing, and that's something that we never and addressed I love before. To dance! <laughs> You've been standing this whole time. What are those clogs for? I thought you'd never ask. Too broken ankles <laughs> it's halloween time so this is our halloween episode it's not going to be a scary yeah, one we save that for christmas as yeah. you all know uh, canon. logically <laughs> logically we're going to be talking about some halloweeny sort of things yeah. not scary spooky. but halloweeny spooky not scary actually not even spooky unless you find <laughs> the resurgence of small businesses spooky i mean it depends on the business it depends what the, what's researching profits for people that are bad business who did you vote for <laughs> are who you, you endorsed by are <laughs> you in and out okay so before we get into the scary things <laughs> We that we made very clear is not, not scary. Not scary at all. Uh, that was a test, uh, which is scary. <laughs> We're going to talk about the things we did in the last month. What did you do in the past month of uh, September? What did yeah. I do that was a little bit different? I went to Glendale uh, Memorial Emergency I Room. Can't believe you're because going Because I had a kidney stone. And God, did they take care of me there. They wheeled me in. And I don't have... I'm, I'm currently uninsured, medically uninsured. <laughs> uninsured. Sure. Un- yeah. They were doing all these things for me. I'm like, as each thing was going, I'm like, I can't afford this. <laughs> the doctor was silently going cha-ching yeah. <laughs> well you need a bone transplant so can i look at like maybe a price list like a menu first before you put an iv in me and you give me a smock and tell me to take my shirt off and smock, smock. what are can they I called? at least keep this a this program. frock smock. before you give me this frock. frumpy little frock to put on it's a good honest place i like that hospital if you ever get the chance listeners go check out greg's emergency room it's named after him now because he's given so much money to them i bought a wing yeah of a bat it's buffalo flavor 
that's uh, <laughs> Halloween. Scary, <laughs> scary. Do you have, you have any other? Uh, any I other went work? to the observatory and that was fun. I, I You've been going that. to the observatory a lot. Yeah, this time I went inside and it was so <laughs> packed and we missed. We we took my girlfriend's it? niece. We wanted to go to the planetarium show, whatever it's called, where she holds the orb and she looks like a witch and she talks like she's. Oh yeah, yeah that one. Space. The, it's infinite. Uh, <laughs> I hold it in my hand and yet it's up there. Is it still the same lady? I hope so. I don't know her now. Oh, you didn't go to the show? No, it was sold out. Oh. We, I was the only person staring at the pendulum waiting to cheer like my hands ready at any given moment and then i turned and it happened and people were like oh you see it like, no one clapped there's no wave going around it's yeah, your favorite sport it is my favorite Gravi- sport. gravity gravity <laughs> the gears of the, the universe the rotation of the earth i'm still rooting for mercury <laughs> and then we went to that part where you weigh yourself on each planet uh-huh. and then it was a lot of fun so you got to earth and you're like i need to really take care of myself huh i should stop drinking soda what would you do? I should stop drinking all this Mars soda. It makes you weigh twice as much. That's scary. What would you do? Last night, as of this recording, I went to, for the first time ever, the LA really? County Fair. For the first time? Yeah. You've never been to the County Fair No, before. I don't think I've been to any County Fair you're before. You're a city boy. <laughs> you're what they make fun of. You're, you're a city room. I'm going to go there and watch them all race squashes <laughs> or whatever. <they're... laughs> I thought that you were like a staple. I thought you no. were one of these people that like, this isn't as good as the fair of 1993, but you know, it's a strong contender. I thought you were one of those <laughs> No, some oaky, I've some never, dumb rube. I don't know why I've never been to it because it it touts everything I value, yeah. which is Old farm man. animals, yeah, carny food, farm, yeah. yeah, that potato sack wavy slide thing, yeah. and flea markets. <laughs> <laughs> the three pillars of Daniel, a place where there's a bunch of hay under a canopy. I'm not wrong. Was there bands? Did you hear music? No, I didn't. The band. Well, let me talk about it a little bit. Please. It was overwhelming. I've, I'd never been there before. The Driving there, it took like an hour and 20 minutes to get there. And then it took like 45 minutes to park oh. there. Upomona Fairplex? Yeah, it was that was terrible. And I got yelled at by the parking guy. What did he say? What did you do wrong? He, I bet you deserved it. The guy in front of me, uh, I bet you did it. Did you like it when <laughs> did you, you like it? The guy in front of me like cut lanes in the thing. So then I followed him because this guy wasn't oh, doing anything. Yeah. And then I hear from behind me, hey, you, Honda, oh. you know, what are you doing? What are you doing, crazy? Uh, so then I backed up and I said, you got a problem with this, buddy? I'm Daniel. I come to this fair every year. Little did he know. Well, let me tell you, I, they had animals. They had a monkey island there. Really? But it wasn't, it was just two monkeys. Okay. Uh, that's too too many monkeys, in my opinion. Something that rips your genitals off. That's too many things in one I place. Didn't, I didn't take up residence on the island. They, they were showing my peace. Uh, I was very submissive to them. Uh, they respected me for it. I saw camels. I saw parrots. I ate a ramen burrito. How was that? Not that good. Okay. And I ate a deep fried Reese's, which was also not that good. Really? It's good because it's a Reese's, but it's not deep fried it's just inside of a donut pretty much okay that's not that's no not that's fun. not fair that sounds kind of good but that's fair though one time i had a i split a deep fried twinkie at the fair with my brother and i took one bite and my heart it was so delicious but also it was so much that my heart i remember it squeezing like my heart was trying to make a <laughs> fist in my chest and I, I thought i need to have another one <laughs> are you gonna eat your half <laughs> my heart immediately deep fried itself <laughs> the highlight of it for me was the pig races no describe this in detail they, they like Hunter Thompson. They had, uh, so first off, I did a bunch of blow and I, <laughs> <laughs> and I drove through the desert. I took pig blow. <laughs> I did blow off a pig's tail. I straightened it out just to blow it. <laughs> Not blowed in that sense. You mean ruin, right? <laughs> I really blew it. First off, it, there's like an MC of the pig races. Oh and they, That's your future job. They, I know. I kept thinking, who books this? So do you take in applications? Or? It starts with, he comes out and he's like, so here we are. And everybody, here's the animal racing national anthem. And if you sing, if you know it, sing along. And then he plays off of a laptop, Cotton Eye Joe. Uh-huh. So nobody's singing and he's just standing there. Oh my God. 
clapping to where did you come from where did you go and it's just playing for if it's a three minute song it played for like two minutes and 45 seconds of just like standing there and everyone clapping (laughs) if you ask me what i think is the most fair moment of like the purest (laughs) moment of the alley county fair it's that yeah that's fair yeah and then the races started and it was great like each one had a theme so the first race was like this one is uh gilligan's island theme so it was like here's the ham fesser and they all had names like that funny it was great watching those watching watching those little porkers (laughs) (laughs) and then honest to goodness Gee shucks, was that a great time? And then uh, they had duck races, okay. and then it was three ducks racing a goose, that's not and fair. then it was f- that. That's fair. And then it was four pigs racing again. It was great. That sounds fantastic. It was that fantastic. sounds fantastic. Oh, you beat me to it. Just like that pig. <laughs> it was fun. That's I enjoyed fun. it. I'd never been to a fair before. I'd go again. It was a lot of fun. I wish I had more time because there's like all these different. I got to go to the Halloween pavilion, but they were like, "You have ten minutes." And I was like, "Oh, please, I'm gonna take 20. But there was also a, a whole rock candy pavilion, which was closed by the time i got around yeah. to it what time did you get there like 6 45 well after the whole traffic debacle oh, yeah. i didn't get until like 8 15 oh, and it closed at midnight did you ride any rides no because they were really expensive oh yeah but you uh, buy, like per ticket yeah you have to pay for tickets for that and um, it's not you pay to enter a place yeah it's it like, should be you something should be included with that i agree but just hey cotton candy just give me cotton candy not everything's fair that's fudge, what it says fudge, on the fudge. banner as you're walking out those are f- <laughs> All right, that's that's enough talking about that. I want to talk about the ER the, the, <laughs> George Clooney was working at the <laughs> ER I was at. The fair's over. Go next year. Cool. I will not go next year, but thank you hmm. for inviting boy, me. Boy, Hey, I'm trying to save for Halloween stuff, okay? Maybe if I was talking about going to the Met. Oh. Seeing an opera at the Met. That's what you're into. You would like watching pigs race if they were racing to Stravinsky. Is that what you like? I want to go to Santa Anita Racetrack. I want to dress <laughs> in a big white hat or whatever, and I want to whatever dress from Pretty Woman, and then I have the little binoculars, and I'm just watching. <laughs> a golden goose race. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No whimsy. Cut that whimsy. All right. So now let's get to our listener question yes. for this month. Yes. This one comes from how do you how would you put it? Alon Drake underscore on Instagram. Alon Drake underscore and Instagram. Hello. Yeah. The question is why are truffle fries a thing? Question mark. All caps. Please explain. Again, our reader submissions very forward, very rude, very sassy. Very That's sassy. a lot of sass in that. Yeah. Because they're good. That's why. Have you had? I don't know. I haven't, yeah, I've, I've had never truffle had fries. It. I think I had it at Pert. Oh, let's the perch. See, I oh, eat, that could have been my thing. This one, I, no. I, I eat deep fried Reese's. <laughs> this is a perfect this is illustration. Us. This is us. We're going to be in season four. Of this <laughs> is us, where Greg is a really highbrow guy who only watches the upper echelon of animals race each other. I'm just there watching a humble little goat. <laughs> I only watch extinct animals race because if we you know we're a diverse city and we have a lot of different people coming here, uh, starting different f- 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 food things. What do you yeah, think? I don't. I don't think there's a, a wa- again. There's there is no why yeah, because it's a popular city and people are trying to make their mark yeah i mean it, it is sort of a highbrow sort of thing it's i mean yeah. truffles get the connotation of being highbrow the sort of thing greg would eat these truffle fried skittles and that sort <laughs> of thing <laughs> these twizzers okay. are they truffle could you please sprinkle a little bit of uh truffle on a slurpee i just <laughs> got yeah, listen i'm okay with any food highbrow lowbrow i eat street dogs i eat truffle fries i do everything well I'm, well i'm out of this city it's just a fusion sort of thing i guess or yeah. just an experimentation sort of thing and that that's there's plenty of stuff i just i had of ramen burrito like i said there's all sorts of uh fusion things going on burger maybe a couple months ago ramen burger is really good it's really good yeah we're a city with uh all kinds of smaller cultural districts now you can get any type of food i mean you don't have to eat it just because it's there no you don't have to eat it eat it (laughs) do you want to sing another parody i can't think of a single one (laughs) what's a good parody of weird al's eat it 
I wonder if one of the Jacksons, maybe. Yeah, uh, Teddy. Uh, Teddy Jackson. <laughs> Teddy or Franklin. I don't remember. Uh, how about Alexander? <laughs> There's all sorts of things, types of food in LA that even, like, when I see them, I think that's gross. Don't do that. Like, you see now a lot of frosted flake encrusted chicken wings oh, and that right. sort of thing. And I think, like, that's really gross. But uh, don't stop. <laughs> yeah, but also don't, yeah, that, yeah. Let's keep going until we find the one that works. Like, a lot of places still, but for a while back, were like, hot Cheeto this, hot yeah. Cheeto pizza. That sounds disgusting, but... People like that. Yeah, maybe maybe this is the sacrifice we need to get to what I really want, which is a tamale burrito. That's tamale what I've always burrito. wanted. Okay. Keep experimenting until you make food that I like. <laughs> I had Japanese fried chicken this week. That's pretty yeah, good. Yeah. That's a whole other thing. Okay, well, I just heard of it for the first time, and I had some of it, and it was <laughs> Did, good. You know, there's this country across the seas. Have we conflicted with them before? <laughs> there's all sorts of uh, weird things in the city. What's the weirdest? Other than Japanese fried chicken. The weirdest thing I've ever had, a tuna sandwich. <laughs> Normally, I just eat it straight out of the can with my cats. What's cats the, don't like it, but I insist. What's the weirdest? Uh, Fusion thing? Yeah, I mean, a ramen burrito is pretty... The ramen burger was a much... That's what I mean, ramen burger. The ramen burger was a very different thing. I'm trying to think of... I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I can't think of anything either. I know there's plenty of strange things that I'm sure you've watched me eat before. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Since we're talking about ramen a lot... You I, need some ramen right I, now. I, excuse me for a second. <laughs> Let me just go back in my dorm and get some dinner. I told this to Melissa last night because we were talking so much about ramen, but my friend's cousin's name was Ramen, and I went to his house, to my friend's house one time, and his cousin was waiting outside to be let in, and I went up, and he turns to me, and he puts his hand out, and he says, Ramen. And I said, No. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> You're an old fifty sketch. You're a comedy sketch from the show of your shows. Hi, my name's Ramen. I'm on first. <laughs> Me and my brother went to go see Monster Squad at the Egyptian a couple of years ago, and it was hosted by Kumail and Jonah Ray. Donut Friend went, and they had a donut that had, I believe, it was like a southwestern donut, and it had jalapeno on it. Yeah. yeah it was- well, you were telling me the other week of something that sounds disgusting to me. It was a uh, what was it like a eggs Benedict donut or something? Oh yeah, the one at Sidecar Donut. That was really good. Ugh. If it didn't have the hollandaise i would have that should stop no it's delicious you're 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 wrong <laughs> anyway let's we digress we don't don't not glazed Ugh, <laughs> ruined it i always ruin it if you got a uh, listener question for us send it on our instagram or email at la.meekly at gmail.com or twitter facebook wherever you want to call us we've got we've got a hotline going yeah jerry lewis is running the phones no, uh, oh. how do i work this thing <laughs> that's not how he sounds at all he doesn't sound like anything that's how anymore. his <laughs> Here's a women aren't funny. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) It's just the sound of hair growing and nothing else. (laughs) Yikes. (laughs) Uh, See you in the ER. (laughs) I've got some uh, deep fried morals for Greg. (laughs) Now let's get into this month's. Again, it's Halloween time. I'll paraphrase by the two phrases I read the most. You'll find out what I did, but I went through a lot of different articles. You'll all find out what I did on the news. (laughs) Look what I can do. Look what I can do. Let me do it. That's our favorite character from television, Stevie. Or is Stewie. Stewie. I get, there's, two, there's Stevie from Malcolm in the Middle, Stewie from Mad TV, and Stewie. Stewie. Oh, Stewart is. Stewart, that, and yeah. Stewie is Stewie, yeah. the familial man. A word and a phrase they use throughout the decades. One of them is goblins. Mm. They say goblins a lot. Mm-hmm. Goblins, goblins, goblins. I feel like goblins was a goblin. God blimps. They, they were <laughs> a bigger thing earlier days of Halloween. The turn of the century it was used more, and then it went yeah. to maybe like the 30s or 40s. But goblin was like, man, do they yeah. pass. On that. Now it's all green goblins. And the other one was uh, Gay Affair, mm-hmm. which is great. I've never been to that fair. <laughs> <laughs> they won't let me in. Let's just talk about what this episode is going to be. It's a little bit of a weird episode. Yeah, it is. It's going to be...
going to be partying some candy. You can't go to a party without having some candy. Agreed. Take note, everybody. If you go to a party, party I've ever been to. <laughs> if you go to a party, expect some candy. If you go to a party, expect me to expect some candy. Uh, everything's uh, in right order. There's crackers. Uh, there's juices. Uh, there's, there's, there's dips. Uh, okay. So are you freezing the uh, <laughs> the sweets? The candy? Are my Snicker bars in the freezer? <laughs> because I also looked in there. Uh, so, do you have a secret compartment for me? For daddy? <laughs> are you hiding it from the others? For me? <laughs> for me. You're going to be talking about sort of some... I, I'll tell you what I did up front. Which yeah, was, I'm a little confused. We were talking about what we wanted to cover, and you had pitched the idea of like the history of Halloween in Los Angeles, which yeah. there's no way to research Just that. something easy. Yeah, something easy. <laughs> and something then I, easy and tangible. I proposed that I was going to talk about Halloween parties of celebrities uh-huh. through the years. And then I went to my old uh, standard. I went to the library articles and databases. I went to uh, the LA Times ProQuest search for you know 1881 to 1930 or mm-hmm. 50 or whatever. The primaries of I Halloween. I just typed in Halloween party. And then I started to find articles that I thought were really funny and they didn't have anything to do with celebrities really, which I liked even more. It was that it was just like, Angelino's having Halloween and then it dawned on me so what I did was I'm just gonna read some things I found when I typed Halloween party and all these things happen through but the I years. think that'll give us a taste of what that's pretty much what as close we're as we're for. gonna get what yeah. we're looking for it's gonna give us a taste of what Halloween looked like yeah. throughout the decade. and I picked a couple from like I try to go every decade but I yeah. missed a couple and then I'm gonna round off with a little uh, little movie locations <laughs> Well, I'm going to be talking about the candy part of this. So I, I have my first thing you'll hear is a specific candy. And then I have some stores that specialize in certain things. Candies, what have you. Did you? Uh, goodies. Goodies, sweets. Popcorn treats. balls. <laughs> Did you do hardcore research, like firsthand research for this? Yeah, I went in there and I talked to each truffle in each store. Hello, sir. Uh, hello, uh, apricot jam. <laughs> a lot of these places I've been to, some of them I've seen and for some reason never got anything there. It made me want to go to all these places. Made you want right to go now. walk into a sees candy pretend like you're buying something and get one free candy and they're like um, I have to go outside and call my mom and see what she wants and he's uh, I, uh, this, uh, I'm in the wrong store sorry <laughs> I thought this was a Reebok uh, look, you go to sees candy when you're wandering through the mall and you need a little pick me up <laughs> let me get this started I'm gonna start it off you can't have a Halloween party without candy and you can't have candy if you don't eat your meat <laughs> I'm just another brick candy in the wall another parody for us the wall tastes like snozberries oh I'm gonna give a Halloween pillowcases haul of fun size candy history that will be anything but fun I'm gonna cover a candy Candy bar that was invented in LA and a few of the most historic candy stores and factories that you are probably familiar with, and they all started in Los Angeles. So okay. my first one, just a little taste before you get started. Yeah. You know, before you get into your party, welcome to Greg's party. Yeah. I'm outside giving you candy because Greg won't let me in. You, you're not even giving candy, you're giving candy facts <laughs> inside. Candy. Open up your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Trick or learn. <laughs> Trick or teach. <laughs> so my first one, a candy bar we all know but are hesitant to love, the Abba Zabba. Stop. Stop it. Abba Zabba's LA? Well, here's the thing. I, I wrote that and now I feel bad because I didn't have an Abba Zabba until a few nights ago in front of you. That was your first Abba Zabba? That was my first Abba Zabba. You're breaching. You turned, I, you turned 30 years old. That's a breach of contract. I don't tell my age. It's great. I really liked Abba Zabba. It's I good. thought I wouldn't because I'm not a huge fan of taffy, but my love of peanut butter is that strong. Yeah. It's as strong as taffy. It's very good. I like Abba Zabba. I it had is. an Abba Zabba phase for a while. It's very satisfying also. Do you have a favorite candy? Sexually. Um, <laughs> my favorite candy, I've said it all the time. I could eat peanut m and until I literally die of peanut M&M exposure. And the EMTs would come and they would yeah. see that you have an M&M peanut in 
your yeah. throat and they'd be like, nice. I'd, yeah. Cool. <laughs> he did it. <laughs> so, uh, crazy SOB. He did it. I would turn into a human pinata before I stopped eating <laughs> a never ending supply of peanuts. There's only dinner. one way to get this candy out of a, <laughs> a bunch of children. Call the kids. Standing yeah. under you. <laughs> Hit them. A bunch of EMTs. I love Reese's peanut butter cups. Yeah. I would say those are there. I love Kit Kat a lot. What are your favorites? I think my granddaddy all time favorite might be a look bar. That's weird. I love look bars. I don't so think much. I've ever had a look bar. Yeah, hey, you gotta have one. They're a little bit like a Abba you Zabba, but take a, a taste. They're a little bit like Abba Zabba. They're like that taffy nougat sort of thing, but it's covered in chocolate. It's very good. I also the love standard. three musketeers. But what you're gonna say, Skittles, aren't you? I love Skittles. What were you gonna say then? A Snickers is the steak of candy. I always say that. It is. Yeah, uh, Reese's Pieces is delicious. Oh, uh, not Reese's I, Pieces. I, Reese's Peanut Cups. I don't like Reese's, Reese's Pita Cups. Peanut. <laughs> you only find them peanut butter cups in Lebanon, but Reese's <laughs> Pita Cups are great. You have to have them imported, and they're. $32 for each cup. I don't like Reese's Pieces. No, Reese's Pieces are... Stop. Don't be rude. I don't want to don't offend listeners. Don't but be rude. Yeah, fine. I won't. I just want to say they're disgusting. And if you like them, you should probably... You're bad. You, if you like them, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. talking about Abba Zabba. Okay, so Abba Zabba. It may or may not surprise you that something so hated and maligned was created right here in Los Angeles. <laughs> it was first made in 1922 by Charles P. McDermott and Eleanor A. Colby with their headquarters at 942 West 12th Street in San Pedro. It seemed like it was Colby's house because I saw like newspaper ads and it was like send your orders to this and I looked it's just like a house <laughs> for those who have never had one like me up until a few days ago it's a white taffy bar with a peanut butter center the patent was filed for this bar on Valentine's Day 1922 since 1978 it was no longer made in LA and it's now owned by the Annabelle Candy Company and it's more of a west coast candy I'm yeah. raising my hand are you gonna ask if it's the Annabelle from the Conjuring movies yes <laughs> how very scary <laughs> were you gonna ask that yeah absolutely it was. yeah when in the off seasons she makes candy. <laughs> the Conjuring universe is vast. The nun <laughs> actually runs a convent that I... A candy it. convent. You have to be sequestered, which is their <laughs> bestseller. There really isn't a lot of history here for the Abba Zabba other than their name and rapper, which the company is lucky this isn't well documented because all signs point to racist. The packaging on an Abba Zabba is black and yellow, taxi checkering, but the original packages had racist caricatures of African tribesmen standing oh, no. there with pikes. Some say the name Abba Zabba came from fake made up words they imagined that these African oh, tribesmen would no. say. Yeah, supposedly the original shop had a guy dressed like one of them out front and he would shout Abba Zabba to everybody that walked by. So if you're still looking for a good LA Halloween history costume, do not do be the Abba Zabba person. From this one. Yeah. yeah, that's unfortunate to hear, but it's not They've confirmed. changed their marketing also. Yeah. Like they aren't like the, you know, Cleveland They've Indians. gone mainstream. They aren't the Cleveland into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's history. I hope they change the name Abba Zabba to like Albert Zabbert. <laughs> Something appropriate. So yeah, now tell us tell us about these parties. I'm ready. I had my little treat. I'm ready to boogaloo. Anyone uh, here got a rug I can cut? No, you keep talking to the wall. <laughs> Since you're another... I uh, forgot my glasses. You seem pretty. <laughs> Halloween is very much not a Los Angeles thing. It requires autumn and Celtic things and quarries. But I'll tell you what we have a lot of. People pretending to be things in exchange for other things. <laughs> and at Hollywood, actors get praise and money. And on Halloween, people get candy. And thus concludes hours of research on a holiday that dates back to pre-Christian times. <laughs> it all led to Hollywood. Uh, Halloween. Oh, Wood. <laughs> Halloween wormwood. We got it. Nailed it. 18. Nailed in the coffin. Dip. So the oldest. Don't ignore me. <laughs> turn of the century. The oldest one I could really find was from 1892. And it wasn't really like an article as much as it was. What you would do was you would announce a party in the paper and then you would have a recap of how the party <laughs> the went. Is it? Really? Yeah. It was, just, it was part it's of like the talking dead. <laughs> it was like the talking dead. Exactly. It's like a trailer and reviews, but no, you don't, you don't get an invite to the party. Show this ad and get rejected. Sometimes you can send an RSVP and it can get sent back to you. 
that was a pastime back then. <laughs> so this was some of the society section. So like high society would mm-hmm. post things, things. Sort of thing you're into. Not the fair people. No, I sold my overalls and I traded in for black tie. You ever heard? Oh, you probably haven't heard of it. I had a deep fried black tie. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Halloween party held by Mrs. Edith and Fanny Barber with the assistance of Clara Smith as the residence of F.F. Barton, which was at 2915 Figueroa Street, which is close to Adams Boulevard. I believe it's now a Jack in a Box. This is in quotes. <laughs> it's wearing a costume. <laughs> it's actually a McDonald's. Uh, so there's a uh, in quotations. The young ladies received their guests in costumes worn by their grandmothers from 25 years ago, which was 1867, so Victorian era, with powdered wigs or powdered hair, dressed high in puffs and curls. They looked like quaint pictures of maidens of olden time. This house was beautifully decorated and refreshments were served at 10 o'clock. This way, by the way, was a Monday evening. I don't go to a party on Monday that starts at 10.30. I just don't do that. <laughs> Anyways, dancing and fortune telling in various ways were the party festivities and those were the principal amusements of the evening and then the party... Where, re- when did the pigs race? <laughs> that was off the record. <laughs> they <laughs> raced into the grinder <laughs> for the party. Sick people. So they could have like bacon covered cottage cheese or I something. <laughs> bobbing for bacon. <laughs> we're bobbing for pig knuckles. Okay, so at the end of these posts, these, these party recaps, they would list all of the people that came. I was going to be funny and like name all of it there was 12 <laughs> lines of oh names they named everybody that came in pasadena the same year 1892 the young people the christian endeavor had a halloween social in the parlor of the presbyterian it's church weird. they're the last people you think would be that's doing what that. i thought i thought they'd have like a harvest party yeah. or something like a harvest everyone hug and read the bible but no they had a halloween <laughs> bobbing for bibles <laughs> <laughs> they had a halloween social in we're the gonna parlor. have a corn <laughs> trick or treat no just take the corn the treat is god's word <laughs> they had a social in the parlor of the presbyterian church which was all costumes and goblins and dancing <laughs> my favorite phrase they used to describe the live band was a ghost orchestra huh. that's neat yeah. like the one who played in hocus pocus yeah, yeah. Wait, no, no, not in hocus pocus that was those were witches i'm thinking of the one that played in uh from dusk till dawn playing with the big stand-up bass that is a human body yeah yeah ghost orchestra Church stuff ghost orchestra is also what i refer to as the band playing on the titanic <laughs> oh. oh no too it's, soon greg it's, this happened it's, before that it's just, yeah. it, this happened before this posting <laughs> it's just soon enough to make moon bounces and fun slides of the titanic but not that sort of thing that's it no what did i see when i was at a antique store i think it was a, a mug and you press a button and the titanic hits the iceberg and the oh drink pours or something oh it, was, it might have been a what? clock miss jesse york a and clock miss- that pours you a drink i mean it's prohibition you got to stick it anywhere everything was a drink miss jesse york and miss merle swest and miss crawford sang for the band in 1900 again as part of the men and women in society section they mentioned a halloween party held by miss nina sandboard who gave a jolly mask party <laughs> at her home on pasadena avenue on a wednesday evening she i was going to ask if at the turn of the century if you got the day after halloween off but these like i said were high society people say so like every day was a day yeah, off every day is halloween their bloodline has a day off <laughs> there was dancing with masks there was jack-o'-lantern supper was served at 10 o'clock i'm like geez then scary stories and fortunes were told until midnight and then a party recap of a, lot, a lot of fortune telling going yeah on. i guess that was the uh spiritualist yeah the uh, spiritualistic era. sort of a cult the god, time when houdini was fighting all of exactly this. yeah god didn't sign off on this fortune i think of fortune telling on halloween like only if something bad's gonna happen you mm. know what i mean like a, for, a good fortune on halloween like well i wasted my money but yeah. like oh you, there's a red truck coming for you like what <laughs> and then of course they'd list all the part people who went to the party imagine going and not being mentioned that must have hurt i've been there we're gonna skip a couple decades 1923 there's a piece written by someone who wishes to be recorded in the paper as a rather old boy <laughs> and the piece is called halloween ain't the same as in the days when dad went out to raise old cane yeah that's right for almost 100 years now 
now people have been moaning that same sentiment. These kids these days have it soft. Back in my day. Back in my day, there were real goblins. <laughs> <laughs> everything was a ghost because everything was dying constantly. Do you ever think about that, young fresh boy? This rather old boy comments that boys of the 20s with their clean fingernails and washed cars are going to a Halloween party with girls. <laughs> and their mumps vaccinations. <laughs> and they're not polio. <laughs> they're going to parties and girls in starch dresses and sashes and they all play dresses. games and they eat cake and drink lemonade. Not this rather old boy. This rather old boy in his youthful days would go to old man Beneke's place with the purpose of stealing his prized stallion. Old man Beneke happened to be in the barn. Popped up from behind a pile of hay. This is his anecdote from the past? Yeah. A pile of hay and a hollered at that rather old boy and gave him a 20 yard head start before he fired a double barrel full of rock salt and black powder which that rather old boy was picking from his bottom for months. <laughs> youthful hijinks mischief bullets these days what's funny about the story and the whole article mm. is that it's the exact old-timey mischief we assume halloween is all about but we rarely hear about like we always hear Stealing about like horses. halloween mischief yeah. but like it's fun to actually hear a story like i tried to steal a guy's horse and he shot me in the bottom he shot me in the bottom and i was picking it out of my bottom for months until like christmas give me candy or i'm gonna dress like the devil and steal your horse that's what halloween used to be in 1903 the ywca who need a village people song they need one too young woman they they, they all nervous and sweating the whole time (laughs) maybe maybe women like this they held a party a halloween party in their gymnasium i love this passage in the entry in the social world section of the paper through a dark and gloomy underground passage with green lights emitting a fitful glow two black robed figures one tall and one short emerge from the gloom and welcome the guests (laughs) laurel and hardy one of them had a hat was mean to the other one welcome the guests with clammy kid gloved hands which i don't know what that kid means glove. kid gloved hands doesn't that mean like gentle i guess so i also kid, imagine like, take like, off the kid gloves i imagine they meant like the gloved hands of children uh, uh, that's, that's the, also that, that's the worst that's not, phrase i've ever heard in my life the uh, gloved hands of children i'm writing that novel it's uh michael jackson's childhood biography that gets cut out for sure the gl- no not that sense i was talking about because he wore a glove <laughs> all right i guess it only works both ways it does doesn't it i didn't no I evidence not thinking about it no evidence <laughs> no evidence only wore one glove <laughs> they had a, proof of the other stuff <laughs> so uh, they had readings i guess they had spooky story readings from what i could tell and That's during fun. which the ghosts mentioned in the stories would emerge and take charge of a kettle of witch's broth i don't know what that means there were <laughs> the four pee in the jug there were fortune tellers at the party of course there was also oh weird, weird what year was this? this is 1903 okay so we're still in the, the fortune telling yeah area. there was this quotation game i don't know how this relates to anything but okay so remember this is a women's club ywca there was a game where there was 10 lit candles on the table and it told how many years before a girl would get married and you would blow out the candles and the candles that would stay alight is represents how many years you have left mm. before you find your betrothed and then there was a huge pumpkin bearing all the letters of the alphabet hung from above and someone twirled it and you had to hurl a spear at it oh my God. and then you find out the lover's initial you can only play that game once though. yeah that's really unless you have like a fresh supply of giant yeah. pumpkins keep the pumpkins going, which we know the ywca they was called known it, for they call it a spear but i bet it was a dart it was a pike <laughs> it was the young amazonian women's Christian Association. And they rode in on horses. Yeah, that they gr- stole from old man Williams. <laughs> he likes lady folk, you know. He's just happy to be, have that nice smile come his way. On the other side of town, there's a Whittier Ghost Dance and Supper Party, which mm. I love Ghost Dance and Supper Party as a title of a party. Yeah. At the girls' department of the Whittier State School, there was 25 masked guests. Also in another part of town, the Phi Delta Sigma Club held a Halloween party at Miss Genevieve Hayes' house at 616 Alvarado Street. The mystic gloom of the house was held by jack-o'-lanterns and a ghostly figure sitting on an upper landing pointed a long, Ooh. bony Ooh. finger at entering guests. There was mystic music, a baby show. Uh, guess who game bah, being played? Bah, 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 bah. Bah. Ah! <laughs> Baby's crying because they want to go to bed. There was waltzing, something called a 
finger bowl test, mm. boat floating, mm. apple bobbing, and a salar <laughs> test. Is that a salar? Yeah. Salar test. <laughs> yep. That's yep. a salar. Yep. For yep. sure. Yep. Eh, it's more of a bottomatic. <laughs> this is a basement. No, this is a for sure basement. <laughs> That's so weird that people's names and addresses were just printed yeah. in the newspaper. I don't believe this is high society. This is just like announcing parties. And, yeah. like, well, the high society knew not to do that. In 19... 19- 20, the employees of the Moreland Motor Truck Company enjoyed a Halloween dance and they invited all of their employees to come hang out at the Burbank Manufacturing Plant. Everybody had, you know, fancy costumes and masks. The hall was elaborately decorated in keeping with the harvest time spirit with the products of the farm and ranch. Well, mm, witches, goblins. Like a fair. Kind of like a fair, but there's witches, goblins, and spooky things in great variety. Sounds like a fair costume. at the time of night I went there. Title of this one from 1923 Halloween Party is Gay. Happy. Party at the Coconut Grove in 1923. It sounds like very elitist black tie crap because then, first of all, very literal usage of the word gay affair Mm -hmm. over and over and over. Very gay affair. There's a... Gay 20s. It is the gay 20s and it's fly and everything's everything's fine. It's fly. The fly 30s. There's a thousand guests. Oh my God. Goblins and black cats present. No celebrities in this. They were mentioning what everyone was dressed as and it's all... It's like none of it's fun and it Mm. sounds like a cultural appropriation con. Like kimonos and... uh, Burmese costumes, authentic from the Orient. Russian gala dresses. Someone was dressed like the Queen Best. There was a ballet costume where someone was dressed like a Russian peasant. There was a Brahms costume. Someone had an Egyptian dress and someone thought for Halloween I'll just dress like in Hawaiian. <laughs> Whatever we imagine Hawaiian being. It's a Hawaiian shirt? Yeah. It was Weird Al. <laughs> it- Weird Al. Oh in 1924, there was a man slain at a Halloween party. Oh, no. A fruit dealer named Peter Zarilla, 40 years old, was shot at 1401 Channing Street by Walter S. Daniel, 25 years of age. He was shot in the heart and he shot got- in the heart. And you're not Halloween. <laughs> Another parody. It was witnessed by four girls. It happened after, I guess, Zarilla threatened to kill this guy. I don't know over what. Zarilla said, I'm going to kill you and move for his hip pocket. So this Daniel guy shot up Walter Daniel. Also, the first couple words a gay halloween he thought party. It was a banana in his pocket oh that's the first sentence a gay halloween party at which liquor was admitted to have flowed freely 1924 see what happens when you drink liquor people yeah, get shot you, dead on the ground you go shoot shooting fruit peddlers i'm gonna read an entire thing from 1923 something for halloween and it's instructions on making a halloween hat and a crown for halloween it's a halloween hat oh the picture i see right there it's a fez that looks it's got black cats on it you're displaying it as if there's a camera here oh i'm, I'm showing you <laughs> this read this headline yeah that's a fez with yeah black it's a fez and then they also have a crown i'll read the instructions follow along at home kids we mailed out all of your halloween hat kits now's the time put on your masks (laughs) and turn on the tv everybody yeah are your parents in bed bring out the dakota ring one more day till halloween here's a hat for halloween closely resembling a turkish fez which you may easily make from heavy white black or orange paper cut a strip of paper 16 inches long and 14 inches wide fold in half the 16 inches to make a book 8 inches by 14 place the paper in front of you with the fold at the bottom draw lines as in the diagram making them slant slightly towards the top mark second lines one inch from the edges of the first ones this extra margin is to fold inside if you miter the corners between the side and the top folds the margins fit more evenly cut on the lines indicated by the dots crease your folds but before you paste the inside flaps together cut some tissue paper fringe to insert between the ones on the sides cat and pumpkin faces for the decorations on front and back are easily made from cutting folded squares who's gonna do that no nobody i'm gonna do it this year <laughs> but it sounds complicated I don't, yeah. a lot of margins go I don't, I'm not going to with March. Why don't they just go down to Spirit Halloween store and buy a cat hat? <laughs> I want a fez. Put Halloween stuff on it. We have a fez, but it's a really sexy fez. <laughs> you can see your scalp through it. Ooh. I'm going to read the instructions for the crown for Halloween now. I want people to follow along and try to do this. All right. I'll put Ali Miko over between black cats. Oh, that'd be fun. Proclaim yourself king of the Halloween party by wearing a Halloween crown hat. 
Make it yourself from a strip of paper 24 inches long and 10 inches wide. Fold the length in half and again in fourths so that the strip now measures 10 by 16 inches. Keep the folded edges at the sides. Four inches from the base draw a straight line from fold to fold. An inch and a half from each folded edge on the new line make a dot and from the dots draw a slant line to the center of the top of your paper to make the tongue. Tongue. Oh. I know what they mean. Uh, <laughs> cut from the fold around the pointed tongue and tongue. tongue. <laughs> onto tongue and onto the other edge of the paper. Fold in four flaps to make the top of the crown. The hat will appear more crown-like if you now round the corners between. If you are royalty. If you, if you come from a good family. Now round the corners between the four sides as in a diagram. Cut them all in scallops. Okay. Or points if you wish scallops. to. Scallops. Scallops. If you wish for a fancy crown paste the hat together to make a box and then catch the four points at the top finish with a tissue paper fringe papon or lantern or cat faces on the side i don't know what papon means that's how you make crown hats it's a, it's a type of mustard slather with mustard all right let's read a couple more this one 1924 i'm gonna read the headline of this one you ready uh-huh. cider goes crazy and runs away cider cider what so i'm trying to figure out what this what actually happens is halloween party held at a w another of the women's club at 36 and university avenue and a series of dull explosions in the office of miss w E. Tilroy, principal of the preparatory school of USC, shook the dignity of those sedate precincts yesterday and just about ruined the school's annual Halloween party, once again called a gay affair. Some evil-minded miscreant apparently meant to make it illegally more so than usual. I'm going to read this word per word because it's super funny. For when the trusting committee on refreshments went forth to purchase sweet cider, they were sold some in advanced stage of exuberant effervescence alcohol there's booze they over fermented the cider yeah and i guess the mrs francis smith or miss evelyn witty or one of these ladies got drunk on this cider it was quite warm in the office of course because she was drinking what turned out to be booze (laughs) boom went the first bottle gracious what's that (laughs) cried mrs tilroy boom boom bang went three more bottles in rapid succession inspection showed cider foaming frantically out of the corkless containers and Mm. all over the office floor (laughs) the committee was dispatched post haste for mops and buckets the cider went into the ash barrel and the committee went to the drugstore for some guaranteed tame grapefruits for the halloween party grapefruits grape grape juice oh grape juice that's a halloween party to me that's so silly so they they turned it into alcohol on accident and then packaged it too tight and I it all just so. started, started exploding. exploding i guess somebody was trying i don't know if they're trying to sneak a drink like you know this side is really good i'm just gonna <laughs> this side it was uh, gonna have a couple more it was a little girl dressed as goldilocks <laughs> this side is too alcoholic <laughs> a couple more in my handheld then i'll get back to my regular list which is at playgrounds from 1927 75,000 children are expected to participate in like like, I guess the city was holding Halloween parties for kids in different parts of the area. Echo Playground, I, I think it's Echo Park and Hazard Center. The LA Playground Recreation Department was having a, a bunch of these March of the Night Brigades, they were called. They were just like Halloween parades at night. Mm-hmm. They sound really cool. And then like the article, this one, and there's another one later, they like have to mention, this is what keeps kids out of mischief. Hordes of children who, according to juvenile authorities, are on this way kept from perpetration of pranks that would result in serious property damage. So they, And then like I guess they were issued costumes costume room of the division of the drama and pageantry of the la playground and recreation department has issued hundreds of fantastic articles of dress for the participants of these things so yale street yeah they had a night or wait they provided they provided costumes for kids huh. that's pretty that cool sounds right? gross but it's pretty cool it, you know it does sound gross it sounds I really gross I didn't think would you that. ever want to wear anyone else's halloween oh, costume like, like when you yeah, the imagine mask. the saliva right there yeah. oh god imagine it was wet Ugh. <laughs> imagine uh, it i like it <laughs> they had a weenie bake a halloween <laughs> drama community sing-alongs there's impromptu dances terminal island will celebrate with an old clothes parade a terrible ghost story with howling chorus <laughs> i got a terrible ghost story for terminal <laughs> island yosemite playground where i played baseball as a kid they had uh, a playground 
Yeah, that was in Eagle Rock. If that's the same one. Jack Lantern Parade, a costume parade with prizes, bobbing for apples, pumpkin throwing, what? Community <laughs> singing, children's games, dancing, Chamber of Horrors, a Royal Sacral Playground had a bonfire, weenie bake, peanut scramble, and many other Halloween stunts. What is a peanut scramble? I don't know what any of these things are, but they sound great. We're going to throw a turkey at a, at a pumpkin. <laughs> yeah, do it. We're going to have a gobble plea. Yep. Wow. No way, another one? How'd I get so lucky? In 1927, there was a Whittier community party with Halloween. Look at these old-timey costumes. I would try to describe it, but they just look like two people are there to cure the plague. There's and then a, the other two are victims of the victims plague. Of plague. One of them's the Lone Ranger, but it's a lady. <laughs> Twelve of the prominent men's and women's organizations of the city are to put together a fourth annual community Halloween parade. The Rotary, the Kiwanis, the Kiwanis, the, uh, the Koalas, <laughs> the Lions Club, each have friends. <laughs> the Elks Lodge. The Elks Lodge, Whittier Women's Club, the East Whittier Women's Club, College Women's Auxiliary, a Business and Professional Women's Club at Whittier. They all had, a, they held a parade for kids. It was a fourth annual one. It was at John Muir High School. They expected 6,000 people to come. A parade of hobgoblins, ghosts, spirits, fairies, and other Halloween characters will form in a parade at the public library and will have a grand march through the business district yeah. to the athletic field where children will be segregated into groups according to age and for such groups will entertain. And race. And race, 1927. And they would just have like games and contests and Halloween sports. I don't know what a Halloween sport is, but hmm. all right. Pumpkin throwing. <laughs> and then like in 1935, there was a bunch of different cafes. Like it kept saying cafes. I don't know if they mean restaurants or bars. The Palomar, which I believe is where they had music on 3rd and Vermont. They had a frolic of the hobgoblins expected to prove to pretty popular. They wanted to have like 7,000 people to come and hang out. They were going to have different entertainment for like hobgoblins sort of thing. Just Halloween fun. They had a lot of galas and stuff. The Wilshire Bowl is having a big weekend tonight. It's a gala party for Halloween. The bowl is appropriately decorated. Favors and noisemakers will be distributed. A lot of different. Uh, there's also like a Biltmore Bowl. They did the same thing where they just like hand out noisemakers and stuff for Halloween. Halloween sounded a lot more like New Year's. Yeah. What? At the Brown Derby. I don't know which one. 1935 they had like special halloween treats like deviled breast of chicken and viennese style or chow mein pineapple what? chicken steamed waterfowl what is halloween about i i think i saw deviled breast and i thought oh this is all halloween <laughs> 1943 marion manners a writer for the time said that young people love helping put a party together and will often assume a large part of the responsibility since halloween parties lend themselves to noisy boisterous games which children adore not all children okay, some of us don't <laughs> enjoy competition some of us like to read at a party <laughs> just put a scary movie on i'll be fine just let me eat candy by myself miss manners gave up a Halloween party menu, so I'll read some of the that. Apricot ice cream witches, black cat and pumpkin face sandwiches, and raisin cookies, or should I call them raisin from the grave cookies. <laughs> There's such an emphasis on kids' games without naming a single kid's game in this uh, article. It's so funny. Kids love games, we right? Have, uh, here's we have all the kids' games. Backgammon. <laughs> here's my suggestion for a kid's game. Lock someone in a dark cellar and count how many seconds until their voice gives out from screaming. I call this game Cask of I'm Gonna Tell Mom. <laughs> Cask of My Mom Tattle On You. <laughs> in 1950, the LAPD reformer Chief William Parker announced first that the police... No more Halloween... Oh, the no. police department will not tolerate Halloween pranks involving damage or malicious mischief. But then almost immediately after, suggested that youngsters and families take part in this playground celebration sponsored by the Department of Recreations and Park. I will arrest you if you're up to no good. Have fun. Listen for Halloween playground programs include square and modern dancing for adults, games and dances for teens, vaudeville acts, carnival booths, parades and costumes, magic, and a bonfire for all ages. Apparently these were all held all over the city. Like a hundred different playgrounds had stuff like this. And they hope to attract 250,000 Angelino guys and ghouls. The fun started at a lighting of a bonfire at dusk, which is very eerie and wholesome. Yeah, what is all these bonfires? That I don't they keep know, doing? but it's pretty cool. That's very pagan of them. It's, it's very, very wicker, man. It is 
<laughs> it's you, William Parker. You're going in the Wicker Man this year. Yeah, I'm confused. Pretty much you could do Wicker Man with William Parker and it would make all the sense <laughs> in the world. 1959, I found a very interesting article that's, that seems to mark the beginning of sexy Halloween outfits as well Uh-oh. as straying away from traditional Halloween costumes. I don't know. The title of the article is by Jack McCurdy and it's Halloween Party Garb is Way Out in quotations. The article was about how adults are modernizing Halloween costumes and leaving the ghoul, goblin, and ghost dress for their kitties. So 1959 with space exploration, glamour, and pop music, people didn't want to dress like Dracula or Frankenstein anymore. Suddenly goblins aren't sexy. Suddenly everyone's not attracted to the bankers from Harry Potter. (laughs) They wanted to dress up like aliens and spacemen and purple people eaters. That's what they want. It was 1959. They wanted to dress like fun stuff. This was 20 years after Force Ackerman and his sci-fi loving nerd pals invented cosplay and pop culture and convention. So they were like some of the first people like, I want to dress like space. (laughs) And like now people are like, I think that I'm going to dress like Neil Armstrong. Not even a thing yet. I'm going to dress like the first man on the moon. What would his name be? Neil Arms. Two things. Buzz Aldrin. <laughs> My favorite thing in this article is stating how the tastes have changed mentions adult Halloween fun seekers want to look like a lot of things from 1980 Moon Dweller ha, to a caveman. It was written in 1959. They're like, 1980, well, imagine a man living on the moon. Well, that moonwalker, the one with the child glove. <laughs> it's a child's glove. It was on a child. Now it's on him. Uh, see, you made it. I follow your lead. Monkey see, monkey do. Monkey see, bubble do. <laughs> Supernatural out, space in. That's my last sentence of this. In 1973, I don't know what happened in America, but making punch for parties was in. They call it witch's brew. Some of the punches, autumn fruit punch, which mixes orange juice, lemon juice, apple juice, and ginger ale. There's spice Halloween punch, which mixes carbonated grapefruit juice, orange juice, limes, cinnamon, and cloves. There's witch. disgusting. All of these do. Which is cocoa with cocoa and coffee, and then the drinks for parents. Big apple knockers, <laughs> which has a red apples, lemon juice, apple juice, Talk and about vodka. sexy costumes. And then orange wine punch, which is like white wine, champagne, brandy, orgeat, syrup, and orange juice. I don't know why, yeah, I don't know why uh, punch bowls were such a thing, but I know growing up, I was terrified that someone was going to spike the punch bowl. I was kind of nervous about that, too. Whenever there was the hint that a punch bowl might be there, I was afraid to drink out of it. And here's the weird thing with me, was that it wasn't a punch, like, you can put a bowl, like a giant bowl of punch in, and I don't consider it a bowl until I see the ladle. And then I'm like, now it's a punch bowl, and now I'm scared of it. What's this basin of punch? (laughs) In October of 1984, the year I was born, Halloween parties seem to be a child's thing, and parents are responsible for it being a hit with spooky party snacks. Also, a weird line I caught was to satisfy the young spirits in your house a Halloween party for the kids, their friends, relatives, and neighbors that will include the fun merriment of trick-or-treating in the safety of your own home. So they wanted you to stay home. I thought about that. Door-to-door in your house. Trick-or-treating in your home. And then I thought, oh, this is 1980s America. Post-Johnny Gosh. Post-Razorblade in your candy myth. Post-Chicago title murders. Yeah, maybe we'll spend this one inside. (laughs) Not taking candy from strangers this time. Go knock on the bathroom. (laughs) Yo, you love knocking on doors so much? Go wake your grandma up. She has candy, I swear. She has candy, okay? Ask her for candy. The article from Tony Tipton suggests decorating the table with orange and black and create a color theme with tablecloths and napkins. I don't disagree. A bowl of apples and a A jack-o'-lantern. sound advice year round. Bowl of apples and a jack-o'-lantern any day. All very standard. Nice touches, though. Hanging a paper skeleton to the front door, which is a twist on the thing I used to love, which is hanging a real skeleton from a paper door. (laughs) Tipton also says that children love playing pin the tail on the black cat and bobbing for apples which i never like those things were you either uh, I, were you a bobber i uh, you bob <laughs> you bob how much are you bob <laughs> i never was anywhere where bobbing for apples was happening because that's i would never do it because that's so disgusting and yeah. unsanitary but yeah i didn't really understand the concept that was a thing i another thing like punch bowls i never i rarely ever saw punch bowls at a party definitely never saw bobbing for apples i was things i only saw in peanuts cartoons yep, I, I don't think I, I was at two parties where they were bobbing for apples and i couldn't swim so they're like can you just hang an apple. Were they inside of like a pool of apples? They were like, I mean, there was a big bowl. Like a, but you're just 
supposed to dunk your head Dun- in. Yeah, but I couldn't like breathe underwater. I didn't know how. That's what I'm yeah. equating to swimming. Because like, you're a human. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I couldn't like dip my face. I was like really young and I couldn't dip my face and do all the things without like snotting all over the water. So like just hand See, That's why I didn't want to go. Pin the tail on stuff. Maybe like once I ever yeah. did that. I didn't like it. I, didn't, I don't care. For that. I don't like games. I don't like competition. I don't, I don't like creating monsters. Yeah. I rip the tail off of cats. That's what I do on Halloween. <laughs> and they say that uh, there's something wrong with me. And they say that, hey, maybe like plastic knives for him. Here are some treats that Tipton offers recipes for pineapple goblin drops, jack-o'-lantern tarts, which is pumpkin brew, which is not a beer. I think it's like a shake or something because it's got like canned pumpkins, brown sugar, ground cinnamon, ground ginger, ground nutmeg, a cup and a half of orange juice, four cups of vanilla ice cream, and licorice candy sticks. So I deduce it's a sugary drink. <laughs> it didn't sound sweet. It's also got recipe for scarecrow caramel corn. Yes. Fiendish huh. fruit cheese kebab. Ew. Ghoulish cupcakes in a cone. Bon appetit. Halloweeners. Mm. And haunted hamburgers. The cow had unfinished business. <laughs> My friend Alberto likes yeah. to make uh, mummy dogs. Really? They wrap them with like Pillsbury dough. That's that's adorable. Yeah, that's good. That Not ain't... just adorable. It's good for you. <laughs> All of the recipes in there are actually good for you. And okay. <laughs> good stuff. 1988 on Hollywood Boulevard between La Brea and Gower. A riot on Halloween night broke out. Mm-hmm. La Brea favorite... and Gower. That's a huge it is. swath. Yeah, it's a huge swath. What they were calling was an unofficial Halloween parade. It might just be a riot. <laughs> it might be an October 31st riot. <laughs> a flash Halloween parade. <laughs> I have no idea what that means, but apparently there was a silent agreement amongst 100,000 people to have a Halloween parade in Hollywood and 12 businesses were extensively damaged, including the Brown Derby and Vine in Hollywood. Oh, no. Rioters smashed the front windows of the Brown Derby to swipe bottles of wine. There's a heavy metal music shop called British Imports and they had $130,000 worth of merchandise stolen that night. Oh my God. They broke the windows, took Heavy everything. metal? Heavy metal music shop. Heavy metal's worth it? Well, it is a heavy metal. It is. It's worth its weight in inventory. They started throwing things at police on horseback, which is not advised because <laughs> you can cool down a cop maybe, but that horse is <laughs> that mad. That ho- you can't stop an angry horse. <laughs> There's just no trying. Uh, police Captain Rick Batson is quoted as saying, a large percentage of the crowd was made up of women and children, so we, we had to uh, really be careful not to stampede the crowd and panic it. <gasps> the unruly mischief makers baby riot lasted. Try for- not to kill them. There might be a kid. There, I saw a lady, so we're not going to stampede a bunch of men to death because people are stealing stuff. <laughs> Welcome uh, to the Titanic rules. This thing lasted for three hours. In 1993, they offered a good list of Halloween activities, and if you thought you had it rough when you see an Instagram you missed an event that sounded cool, try reading a 25-year-old listing of Halloween things and getting mad at your mom in 2018 <laughs> for not taking you in 1993. That's what I went through. Is the party still going? In Encino, there was Castle Frightmare and it was a haunt at the National Guard Armory that's on Victory and White Elk, that big field there. Yeah. It's, I call it, the only interesting patch of sightseeing on the Orange Line. So here's a description. Hey, you get to see... Uh, uh, Chatsworth, baby. You get to see Reseda. Target? You can tell me that Target's not nice? Uh, so here's a description. Spooks and goblins will invade the National Guard Armory as brave spirits embark on a terror tour of the castle in search of a murderer. Wow. It was a run by the volunteers of the West San Fernando Valley Rotary Club and it was held to benefit TJ Martel Foundation and the Neil Bogart Memorial Foundation among them. Adults $7, children $5, mom. Pretty affordable <laughs> even in 1993. It's really cool. cool. It's Grab like, a gun on your way in <laughs> and out. Similarly in San Pedro, the Beacon House is a men's alcohol and drug recovery program held a haunted house at the Beacon House which is an old Victorian house built in 1896. The residents converted the rooms into mazes and halls of horror. The Beacon House Association of San Pedro is still an active nonprofit rehab and on October 27th of this year 2018 they're having a Halloween dance at the Battleship Iowa which is in San Pedro well, Doctor mm. in San Pedro watch your heads in Woodland Hills on Friar Street which is near Victoria and Platt there was a spook haunted house neighbor haunt held by two childhood friends named Bob Kritsky and Dave Rector now this seems really cool it's called the Spook House it was in Woodland Hills there's some videos on YouTube of it in the 2000s and it was called LA's largest walkthrough haunted house attraction in 1993 it, se- it seemed to consist of like floating lanterns attacking spiders computerized skeletons and little like spooky sets it went all the way to like 2000 and I want to 
to say nine. And there was just like makeup booths and such. It was like a 25 room haunted house. And 25 rooms. Yeah. And it was like this giant house these two best friends had put together. And it became like this big production. Is, uh, is, I these two co- best friends lived in the house together? I think so i think this is they're a having gay a, a gay affair <laughs> <laughs> like they hired like actors they had intricate hand-built sets computerized lights and sound every october thousands of guests from all over southern california w- would come and check this out it was like a bigger pony island like a 25 room house you could walk through mm-hmm. and be scared and stuff sadly korsky died in 2019 as far as i could tell 2019 house. sorry 2009 sorry no. i'm having my own seance here fortune teller too and she told me that you, <laughs> you might want to check in on him <laughs> see it this year before it's too late in el monte at the lower azusa road on boulder avenue the San Gabriel Council of the Boy Scouts transferred 39 rooms of a warehouse into eerie dungeons of fright, which I hope gets you some sort of goblin merit badge. <laughs> in Hancock Park, the house used in the movies Willard and Ben, as well as the Adams Family TV special, turned their front yard into a graveyard of horror thanks mm. to the Windsor Square Historical Society. Willard is an unwatchable movie <laughs> because it's full of rats, and the owner of the home at the time said the trick-and-treaters were too afraid to knock on the door because they were feared that rats would attack them. Newsflash lady, I'm always scared that rats are going to attack me. <laughs> I don't knock on any doors. I wear galoshes all <laughs> All year round. <laughs> the Willard House is at 637 Lucerne Boulevard, which is now Wilshire near 6th. That's some of my favorite things I've read, searching Halloween parties. But let's bring up some more things that happened throughout the year. Boney Island's reopening. Charge you a little bit of money, but it's reopening. There's a lot of theme park mazes. There's, you know, you got your Universal Horror Nights. You have Not, not Scary Farm. Scary you farm. have uh, Disneyland doing a Halloween thing, which I'm not crazy but That about. one's a little too scary. Yeah, they have a Haunted Hayride. They have the Six Flags thing. Yeah, Six but Flags. But there's a ton thing. of backyard haunts, yeah. and then they have House at Haunted hill and all that um, in woodland hills in woodland hills senespia of course is doing we're we're going for october 20th to see halloween which uh, my girlfriend's never seen before i'm hmm. so excited to be like do you find this scary or what's the deal like am i supposed <laughs> yeah, to find this it scary? doesn't hold up right the i just want to though. make sure and speaking of halloween Haddonfield's actually shot in two areas of southern california and it's all very easy to find south pasadena has michael myers original home and then in hollywood on orange grove where they have annie's house which mostly stuff takes place on. that's where michael myers the shape attacks Lori. i'll give you some addresses if you want even better though if you take the gold line and get off on the south pasadena stop of the gold line you're standing right at michael myers house they, really? they moved it i went looking for it. it's on it's supposed to be on meridian avenue which is like when the girls get out of school and they see michael myers like kind of like peeking at them and stuff like that that's yeah. all meridian avenue and i went looking for the house and it was like it skipped an address and i'm like the house is supposed to be right here and i was freaking out <laughs> and then i went back and a hand came up yeah <laughs> yeah so we went back to the where we started on i believe it was mission boulevard which is where that shop that gets broken into by michael myers and he steals the hammer and the mask or whatever that's on mission boulevard but i was sitting on the steps of a house I'm like where is this michael myers house and i turn i'm like oh i'm sitting on the porch of it because <laughs> they moved the house close to the train tracks why i don't know why it's now 1000 mission street right on marine avenue there's a something called a sugar mint gallery and they have like a lot of halloween the movie type stuff but they're going to be showing halloween on the 12th the 13th and the 19th and then they're mm-hmm. going to be showing a bunch of other halloween themed movies Lori's house is right across the street from the south pasadena public library it's 1115 oxley street but not a lot of stuff in the movie happens there most of the stuff happens on orange grove avenue which is in hollywood between sunset and selma 15 that's weird the house is in hollywood yeah they look similar to each other they like the old style i don't know what style house that is but they look similar haunted, haunted. there's no ghosts in halloween sorry there's i had a dress one ghost 30. the ghost of how movies used to be <laughs> 1530 north orange grove avenue and 1537 north those are the two houses where most of the stuff happened these are all private residences so don't go knocking on doors but if you feel like taking a picture feel like seeing but if you feel like grabbing 
a knife and that's all my spiel. Maybe one or two years ago was the first time I really started taking advantage of the backyard stuff people do yeah. and the like displays and stuff they put on. But I really want to do a lot this year because maybe, I don't know if especially, but definitely in the Valley, people who work in movies and just people who love Halloween put so much effort into yeah. these things. And you can for free or just like a small donation, please send in your money. Yep. You can go through these like pretty good mazes. Yeah. It's very cool. I like that. That's what Halloween has become. It's it's uh, I mean, I guess there's still parties and stuff. But I'm for like, me, I feel like that's more Halloween now going to these sorts of things. Yeah, I think I'm done doing Halloween parties this year. There's two things I'm super excited about. There's we thinking about going to the Bob Baker Marionette Theater. Yeah. Halloween is at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Carroll Street on Halloween. Oh, yeah. My that's, favorite thing that, to do. That's great. But I'm going to go out of county no. because in Anaheim they have a Halloween oh, yeah. parade and I'm dying to go three I years in a row. sabotage it LA Meekly suck it Orange County who filled in all of our jack-o'-lantern faces <laughs> <laughs> we went to the witch's house that one year there's a right. lot of stuff that I think cool. Carroll Street was a lot better though Carroll Street is but we got we actually got candy at the witch's house we which did. is nice yeah I, I gotta take a kid I gotta take a kid <laughs> I gotta, gr- I gotta I rent gotta a kid. kid I need to get some kid gloves you said I could rent a costume can I rent a kid's <laughs> costume with a kid you know if it wasn't such a horrible idea that would be a great idea to rent a kid yeah to rent a kid to go trick-or-treating yeah. with. I mean, that's obviously the worst idea you could do, but that would be a great idea. I know some sex traffickers you could talk to that's going to rent kids, okay? Have you, you ever eaten at Subway? <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoy that all that stuff on Halloween. Me too. I mean, parties are fun, but parties in general... We have so much parties in general for you are never fun. Yeah. Uh, we've <laughs> developed such an anxiety about costumes between me and you that I'm I like, know. I don't want to dress up anymore. I know. It, we made a vow like five years ago, we need like a scroll of costume ideas yeah. and I have nothing. nothing. Every year comes around i have nothing nothing yeah <laughs> this year i want to if i'm gonna dress up it's gonna be like the fly because i've been dying to dress yeah. like the fly i want to be zoro or the lone ranger oh but it's God. so expensive i couldn't see you as a lone ranger walking on the streets on like a thursday yeah. in february <laughs> the lone ranger on thanksgiving <laughs> <laughs> nobody comes to my party i'm alone <laughs> so we've had the party now we're all here for one thing there's one thing halloween's all about the candy Stop it! the candy it's about gay affairs and hanging out and being friends with each other in costumes. And I only feel comfortable when I dress like the devil and run on the streets. I only feel comfortable to interact with people when I'm dressed as the devil. <laughs> and they think I am and they're trying to sell my soul. I'm selling, the devil's selling his soul to people. Times hey, what, are tough. What do you got? I'll take it. Yeah. So I already talked about the Abba Zabba. Let's talk about uh, the first store I'm going to get to. Jack's Wholesale Candy. Do you know Hell what this yeah. is? No. If you know me, there's only one way I buy candy and that's bulk. Dip. Wholesale and from an anonymous warehouse downtown. <laughs> Those are my three requirements. No paper trail, no seats. <laughs> no one can know. Tell nobody I'm eating this in my car. It's actually in the back of a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> I say the only Chinese phrase I know and they're yeah. like Lao Wai. <laughs> that, that means white, white person. <laughs> I thought it meant white devil. It's basically. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. It's That's not I- friendly. <laughs> yeah I'm white and I'm dressed as the devil. So up next is the place I never knew existed but now I have to go here. Jack's Wholesale Candy and Toy Company. This is a short one. It started with a guy named Jack Levy in the early 1930s who sold candy off of a cart on the street around town. And after many years of this, he eventually sold enough candy to upgrade his cart into a building on 8th Street. And he stayed there for 30 years until 1980 when he sold to the Ahmed family, uh-huh. who now run the company. A few years ago, they moved the place into its current location at 777 South Central Avenue downtown. And this is the exciting part. Yeah. Current location, 42,500 square feet of 
candy. Get out. It's the biggest candy store in downtown LA. And I assume, that, I can't think of what would possibly be bigger in the yeah. rest of the city. They sell over 5,000 types of candy, including Mexican and vintage categories. Ooh, look. <laughs> Ooh, look. Look. They probably supply most of the ice cream trucks in the city with their oh, candy. it's one of those places. Yeah, it's one of those places. It's all wholesale. Anybody can go in and buy whatever you want. They're open every day except Sundays. Along the same lines as Pink's, they're another local company that started almost a century ago out of a cart on the street and have stuck around long enough to become as big as they are. And I need to go because I'm low on 80 pound bags of little spoons with tamarind on them. <laughs> I really want to go there because I saw pictures and it's like Costco, but, but just, just the candy just section candy. of yeah. Costco. I'm trying to make a joke about Costco's Bruce Banner and it gets hit by radiation yeah. blast and then it just becomes... You won't like, like me when I'm wholesale. That's what I was trying to get. Well, actually you will. I will only deal with you when you're wholesale. <laughs> you will like me when I'm wholesale. So that was just a, a short little store. Let's go to the next one. Papa John's in the news today. Oh boy. So well, this isn't him. This is the story of Little John's. Okay. <laughs> they started in 1924 with a couple named Mr. and Mrs. Little John. They were making English toffee that was so good it became the go-to toffee place for the rich and famous in Hollywood. Really? Your sort of place. Not, yeah, yeah. Not fair food. This is... Clark Evil mustache, you know, <laughs> Dashiell Hammett hair. You have to be a, above a certain salary line nah. to like this. <laughs> it's an acquired figures. taste if you acquired enough money. They don't even have a number for how much money I make yet. So many zeros. So many zeros. So many zeros, but with no other numbers involved. <laughs> Their one and only location opened up in 1946 in the world-famous Farmer's Market really? in Fairfax. And by then, their toffee was so famous, they were renamed Little John's English Toffee House. They're known for their fudge and caramel, and their caramel-coated marshmallows are a big thing. And of course... Uh, the toffee. The toffee. It's still stirred by hand in a copper pot on the premises and it's so popular that around Christmas time they're shipping it all over the world. The guy who now owns it is Michael Graves who uh, grew names nah. familial heritage. <laughs> he apprenticed at the shop as a teenager and learned how to make the toffee directly from the Little John. So wow. he's the one that's still in charge. Yeah. He's also a graduate of the Pulico School for Candy Making in Hershey, Pennsylvania. In Snickers, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Snickersburg. He's a graduate of Pop Rocks, Wisconsin University. <laughs> He changed the recipe slightly when he bought the place in 1983, but it's apparently still great. I've always seen this place. I've never gone because I don't like toffee, but after researching this, suddenly I have an undying desire to have toffee. My tongue is now set to toffee. Do you like toffee? I think I do. I can't remember the last time I had toffee, so if you say it to me, I'm like struggling to remember what it tastes like. Yeah, taste buds I, can't I feel like I do like toffee, but I say I don't like toffee. To be cool, because you're yeah. a man of the people. You're I, not I like don't me. know. I, Poor man's dirt candy. Yeah, I always see that place at the farmer's market, and I, I'm sure I'm like staring at them making the candy either they say it's not free so i'm not going i'll be there soon though if you're listening i'll be the one wearing my gimme free candy hat yeah. so uh, follow let's the see rules. if it works so. follow the rules i said an easy guideline to follow give me free candy so my next one here's another this one's uh the stories are getting bigger and bigger it's like Jiro dreams of sushi i'm curating the flavors here it's getting more complex as we go along i wish the listeners could see the face i made right now big eyes money signs because uh <laughs> clearly i'm a star this one is edelweiss I didn't know about this until a few years ago. I don't know about this. Beverly Hills. That's uh -huh. where I want to eat. Candy, 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 chocolate in Beverly Hills. <laughs> I told you I'm a star. God damn it. Go ahead. What's this place called again? Edelweiss. German. No, no, no. Shut up. This place opened in 1942 as Candy Roundup by a woman named Grace Young. It was and still is located at 444 North Cannon Drive in the throbbing gilded heart of Beverly Hills. It's right by Rodeo Drive. It's in that general oh, area. Oh, okay. So I'll never go there. Yeah. It's uh, the sort of place that you pretend that you're a part of, but you're really a fair folk. Uh, I go there all the time, okay? <laughs> I'm there. That's my county fair. Rodeo uh, Drive. 
candy bites. I go there all the time. I have that deep fried Gucci. <laughs> so because of that Beverly Hills location, it quickly became a place for our old friends, the rich and the famous, to get their chocolates and candies. I hope that they're still eating candy. hope that they get theirs. I hope that children in Russia eat candy. One of the most popular items here were her marshmallows. So they were so popular that she would only make them when the store was closed so that nobody could see what she was doing wow. and steal her recipe. The secret ingredient was people. Her, <laughs> her, big, her biggest contribution to the world of candy is that Mrs. Young is credited with inventing the chocolate-covered marshmallow right in this store. Really? In Beverly That's an Hills. Thing. Yeah. So, But eventually, after 31 years in business, Mrs. Young had to go off to become a marshmallow herself, and she <laughs> retired. And in 1973, she sold the shop to a Swiss man named Herman Schmidt. And being the Swiss man that he was, he changed the crassly American name of Candy Roundup to the national flower of Switzerland, Edelweiss. Okay. The Edelweiss. They, okay, they have candy flowers in Switzerland. He also changed the chocolate provider to a company in Switzerland, so now the store is working with authentic Swiss chocolate. So Authentic what? Swiss chocolate of Los Angeles. Yeah, neutral. A few other innovations Smith brought in was something called Tostas, which are ground almonds and honey mixed with chocolate, which oh. are nowhere near as popular as something he kind of made the store famous for all over, which is their chocolate-covered pretzels. Oh, yeah. These are extremely popular, and they're shipped all over the world, and I've had them personally. They're very good. This is an endorsement. Oh, I got paid by them. I, <laughs> I forgot to tell you, you're not getting any. I met them at the fair. I want it more than you ate it. <laughs> it, it they're really good. They come in a big red box. Ooh, very primo. nice. Melissa's old boss got them for her, so Ooh. I ate them. <laughs> what I can't vouch for, though, is that supposedly these were the first chocolate-covered pretzels ever made, and Schmidt invented them right in the shop also. That's what they claim. I don't know about that. I feel like I could have come up with chocolate-covered pretzels, and if I could have come up with the idea, that means that it's like centuries old. Well, it's easy to come up with an idea that you've had a million times and uh i mean looking at the scale you're standing on right now i'd say you've had a million times chocolate pretzels <laughs> you're calling me fat yeah you're, you're, i don't know you're i was going one direction i decided to call you fat <laughs> <laughs> you're you fat shaming me and you're saying that my shirt doesn't fit right hey uh you're gonna let go of that candy barrel you're carrying around oh it's your chest oh it's your uh, chest and body don't you want to take off your front backpack <laughs> so regardless like i said this was the place for celebrities to get their candy at edelweiss frank sinatra loved the maple creams Catherine hepburn he liked them his way <laughs> with maple Catherine hepburn wrote about the dark chocolate turtles in her autobiography lauren bacall loved it there the reagans kirk douglas steven spielberg elton john madonna and oprah winfrey the movie and tv studios themselves are big customers they said that you know you've made it in hollywood when you receive so many chocolates from edelweiss that they note your favorites in their rolodex mm. one princess from saudi arabia she dressed like a princess for halloween from saudi arabia <laughs> she came to the store to pick out chocolates for her wedding to bring back to saudi arabia wow. eventually schmidt also had to be turned into a marshmallow and he sold the store to the rosen family who owned it for 15 years before being turned into marshmallows themselves and put the store up for sale in 1997 when a not-so-young couple of the mother from the Partridge family, oh, Shirley Jones, Shirley Jones, and her husband, Marty Ingalls, whose best credit I could find was that he played Pac-Man in the Hanna-Barbera animated Pac-Man series. I didn't. You could brag about that because I didn't get to play Pac-Man in the animated series. Then you haven't made it in Hollywood. So they walked by the store one day. Shirley mentioned to Marty that she loved the chocolates from there. So as a Valentine's gift that year, he bought her the entire store. Wow. Yeah. Eat it all. 
<laughs> pound by pound. Me. Eat it all in front of me. They only owned it for a while before selling to Madeline Zahir in the early 2000s, who now runs the place. They now have a secondary location at the Brentwood Country Mart, but this Beverly Hills one is still the main location, and it's where all the chocolates are made. The kitchen's going from eight to four every workday, and it's still all handmade, and nothing is ever frozen. All of the machines are still the original machines that Mrs. Young used when she first opened the store. I want to go to there. You can't even afford the parking. Hey! Oh, Get a real job! <laughs> the front of the shop is still the same as it was in 1942. They're the second oldest store in Beverly Hills and one of the oldest candy shops in the United States to still be doing this all by hand. They now sell 85 different chocolates and candies, including nine types of marshmallows, seven of which are still Mrs. Young's recipe that they keep locked in a vault. Get ready to salivate. Chocolate-covered vanilla, coconut, caramel, toffee, mocha, mint, and walnut. And then the two new flavors are s'mores and peanut butter. Oh, s'mores, mint, s'mores. Not s'mores, mint. You can buy two mints. You can put them together, but not on the premises. They don't want to see that. Aside from all the chocolate they make, which is necessary, probably the most important contribution the store has made to the world, came when another certain celebrity customer who loved the store came in one day. She parked in the back, came in through the kitchen to avoid paparazzi, and one day she noticed the machinery and got an idea for an episode of her show. What if a crazy loon like me tried to make chocolates on a thing like this? She wackily said to herself. That That woman, Lucille Ball, in Edelweiss's kitchen is where she got the idea for the Chocolate Factory episode of I Love Lucy. The machine that inspired her is still there today and being used. It's the chocolate in Rober. I want to touch it. Um, I want to eat the whole machine. I I can't keep up with the machine, so I ate the machine. I ate the machine, and now I'm the machine. (laughs) So that's, uh, let's get away from chocolate for a second. Yeah, I can, I think you've had enough. I I want more sweets. I'm not a huge fan of sweets. I like chocolates. I hope that the microphone caught me rolling my eyes at you. It's because the chocolate phone likes chocolate. The chocolate chocolate phone, chocolate phone. I have so much (laughs) candy. Hello, Crunch Bar. Mr. President. Uh, Look. And you're eating the phone as you answer it. Yeah, I can't, I can't finish the call. I don't know what he wanted. Nah. My next one. Let's keep moving. A candy store in Little Tokyo named Fugetsudo. Fugetsudo about it. The- this shop sells a different type of candy than we've been talking about from the Far East, which is mochi and manju. Oh, mochi. I've had mochi before. Had- so you know mochi and apparently manju is similar, but while mochi is made from rice cake, manju is made from rice powder, so it's more flaky and cakey. But the real star here seems to be the mochi. Do you like mochi? Yeah. I don't like mochi. Oh. Are we still friends? or No. Nochi. Nochi. It's not quite sweet enough for me. It's not the right sort of sweetness. I kind of like the chewiness, but the sweetness isn't, I don't know. It's a weird sort of flavor for me. You're a baby. No, I'm not a baby. I'm an adult. You're a baby. I'm an adult and I'm eating rice. I'm an adult that likes really chocolatey things over really sweet things. (laughs) So this mochi was first made by a man named Saichi Kito, who was living in Gifu, Japan. He was an apprentice at a candy shop where he met a woman named Tay, and they called it Mochi Love. Oh my God, you love parody songs. Mm, that's not a parody. This is hardcore comedy. Ah! This is satire. The problem was Tay's family didn't want her marrying a lowly candy apprentice. So in May 1903, they moved right here to Los Angeles to build a more respectable life. Originally, when they came here, Saichi was apparently working, building track for a Pacific Electric. But of course, they were living in little Tokyo, where there was a not so little population of people who come from the country of Tokyo. And he saw that there was a piece of his native culture missing among the population, which was mochi. So nobody was making mochi. So he started making 
some of his own to sell to people. And by November of that year, he and some of his friends opened up Fugetsudo at 315 East 1st Street, where it still is today. This I want to w- go to it now. I want to go to all these places. I, I don't like toffee. I don't like mochi. And I want to go eat them. Oh, my God. This was the first mochi store in the city and remained the only mochi store in the city until the 1990s. Wow. So I had a 90-year monopoly. They are also the oldest candy store in the city. So the name Fugetsudo is apparently just the name of a lot of candy stores in Japan, like how a bunch of diners are called Joe's Cafe. Oh, right. Generic name, the candy shop. And it became so silly that it became the butt of a joke. Yeah. And then it just became Eat standard. it Fugetsus. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it, but I'm going to eat that. Who's Fugetsu? <laughs> so, of course, the shop was popular because aside from just being candy, mochi is a big part of a lot of religious and milestone events in Japanese life. You have them during holidays. You have them at weddings. You have them at funerals. They're a tradition that when you turn one year old, they make a one kilo mochi blob mm. that they wrap in cloth and strap to your back and Ooh. see if you can like stand what? up straight. Let's I, see if this food hurts you. <laughs> From mochi to mochi, manju to manju. <laughs> That's what they're trying to tell kids. We are all mochi. The biggest time of year though is New Year's Day where it's tradition to have a special sugarless mochi called komochi that you eat in a soup. So business was good and Saichi was a good businessman. He would make mochi deliveries on rainy days when people didn't want to get wet for their mochi and he also <laughs> carried copies of the Rafu Shimpo in the store which was the local little Tokyo newspaper so people would come in and get a copy of the newspaper Paper, oh. And then since they're there, I'm getting some mochi. Okay, I'm getting some but eventually his friends who he was running the shop with died and it was up to him. They tried to lift too much mochi blob at <laughs> once. When you're 75, you got to have a 75 kilo mochi blob and that'll just kill you. <laughs> it was up to him to run the place on his own for 25 years. So oh he, and his, he and his wife had 12 kids, but five of them died young. So the remaining seven, he had help out in the shop along with his wife. But sadly, in 1921, his wife also died. So now he was stuck not only running a business on his own, but raising seven kids oh. on his own. So let it be known, yeah, raising seven, seven employees. employees. Let it be known that it's impossible to do that. So he had to make the choice to send several of his kids back to Japan to be raised by his family to lighten the load. Take a few mochi kilos off the back. So one of these kids was his son, Roy, who was the youngest. He was one year old, so he got sent to Japan. Eventually, Roy moved back to LA in 1935. So he was a Los Angeles-born Japanese-American who was raised in Japan and came back to LA in time for high school and spoke no English. Oh boy! So he went to Belmont High School and he learned English and worked in the store with his dad. So so this is how it went for a while and then Pearl Harbor hit. <laughs> Not kind to the Japanese Americans. No. Then came Executive Order 9066 mm. and Japanese Americans were forced into internment camps. This included Saichi and Roy, which is my favorite act in Las Vegas right now. <laughs> they had a week to evacuate, so they had to give away their equipment to be stored somewhere oh. and sell all their candy at discount, which was a great time for you if you loved mochi but hated the people who made it. So they were sent off <laughs> I'm to- torn. I'm, I'm, I'm torn. I'm torn. I'm torn. I want all your mochi, but I don't want you. <laughs> they were sent off to an internment camp in Heart Mountain, Wyoming. Wyoming and they tried to make the best of it. It didn't take long before people found out that Roy and his dad knew how to make mochi. So people in the camp started giving them their sugar rations and they started making mochi for everybody wow. in the camp. So Roy even met and married a woman named Kazuko in the camp. And as nice as all this sounds, they were in an internment camp. Yeah. <laughs> it was still horrible. They were locked up for four years. And when the order was finally lifted, they were able to return to Little Tokyo. But as we learned in whatever episode we talked about, it was not the same when yeah. they came home and they didn't have a house anymore. So they slept at the Koyasan temple at night, which is, it's hidden in that main plaza there. Roy and his dad wanted to get the store opened up again, but when they tried to get their old equipment back, the person holding it for them told them they owed four years of unpaid rent on it, (laughs) and they had no money, so they lost all Uh. of their equipment. But the call of the mochi was still too strong, so Roy got a job as a waiter in a restaurant, and on May 5th, 1946, Roy and Saichi were able to reopen Fugetsudo, same location, with the help of the Tanahashi family, and things started to get back to normal. The store, still in the same location, 
version. Yeah. From 1956 to 57, they remodeled it and temporarily moved to 2nd Street during that time. But other than that, it all happens there and it still looks the same today as it did since that remodel That's great. in the 50s. 1986, it's been run by Roy's son, Brian, who looks like a Japanese version of Melissa's dad, <laughs> meaning that he looks like a Japanese version of Jim Croce. And as proof of this, when I was watching an interview with this guy and uh, Melissa walked over and said, that guy looks familiar. And I had to explain. You big... Jim this Croce is your father. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Jim Just... Croce and fathers. <laughs> Brian started working at the store as a kid, as has become Quito family tradition. And as a teenager, he started a snow cone business out of the store as well. I what? like snow cones. I know but... you like snow cones, uh, but... I don't. Ah. No, I like snow cone. I like it more than mochi, but... We're the odd candy couple. We get along like Reese's Pieces and M&M's. <laughs> the Rodney King riots were the beginning of dark times for Fugetsudo and Little Tokyo as a whole. In 1993, just after the riots, Little Tokyo started tanking because people were traumatized and the Japanese community started moving out and visitors stopped coming in. Crime went up, businesses closed. Just as bad, the Japanese community that dispersed from here no longer had a community close at hand, so many started to assimilate and the tradition were left at the curb. Among them, the tradition of mochi. So for a while, Fugetsudo was the only business on that side of the street in Little Tokyo. This prompted Brian to start the Little Tokyo Anti-Crime Committee to join together the community that remained to try to make Little Tokyo a little bit safer. Little Safe Town. He also became president of the Little Tokyo Historic Cultural Neighborhood Council and pushed to make Little Tokyo a destination again. And slowly by the late 2000s, Little Tokyo became what it is now thanks to Brian Kito's vision and his commitment to the community. And of course, this was all good for Fugetsu dough. Business picked up, especially once he started making mochi bites to sell for, to frozen yogurt places as toppings, which I actually had tonight in honor of this. Still don't like it. <laughs> Ruin my yogurt. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> There's talk that he may have actually been the first person to do mochi bites really? to put on frozen yogurt. He also started selling mochi that appealed more to Western tastes for all the honkies coming into Little Tokyo to hang out, like chocolate, and they have a strawberry one with peanut butter inside. Ooh. I try that, but I won't like it. New Year's is still the big time for, for Getsu dough. It's become family tradition for all of Brian's cousins to send in their kids to help out making the massive amounts of mochi on order at that time of year. For the last four days of the year, there they're working 24 hours making nothing but the savory New Year soup dumplings. Everyone will love this. Everyone will love this. <laughs> They'll come. I don't need to sleep. Get all that mochi off those one-year-olds. We got to <laughs> use it for the dumplings. In those four days, they go through 20,000 pounds of rice. That's crazy. And there's also a lot of volunteers from the community who come to take shifts there during this time because Brian Quito is so well-respected in the community and has done so much for them. One final story from the Fugetsu Doverse. Yes. Way back in the early days of the shop in the early 1900s, Saichi would make a different type of candy as well. It was a wafer type cookie that was popular in Japan, but his special touch is that he would handwrite haikus on them in kanji Ooh. and would sell them in Little Tokyo, but also in Chinatown where the Chinese people were also able to understand the kanji characters. So this type of cookie began to be copied there and the idea made its way up north to San Francisco where these haikus began being written in Don't English and mass produced by a man named David Jung who was then credited with inventing the fortune cookies. Saichi always claimed, I invented the fortune cookies oh and his family never believed him, but in 2003, the Chinese Historical Society in Boston sent a letter to Brian with an article from a magazine from 1927 interviewing David Jung about the fortune cookie, who said the idea came from a Japanese man down in Los Angeles. Wow. So the reason, though, that Saichi was never able to prove this was true was because the equipment he had used to make those cookies, which would have helped to prove his point, were all lost when he couldn't buy them back uh. after coming back from the internment camp. So this person who is demanding rent on yeah. a bunch of machines has he 
took proof. away the legacy. Yeah. The legacy of the fortune cookie. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Here's a fortune for you. <laughs> fortune telling is a very Halloween thing to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing says Halloween more than a fortune cookie. All right, so that's Fugetsudo. Let's get back to uh, candy I like. What is it? Chocolate. American chocolate. American chocolate. God, you're... Here's the thing about you and your nationalism. I'm just kidding. <laughs> your jingoistic candy. <laughs> so I see, you see, we all see CCCs. It's finally time to talk about C's candy. The one topic I've been wanting to cover since day one day of this god awful podcast. And I force you to talk about the library. Yeah. I don't want to talk about candy. I want to talk about books. Books. Oh, we want to talk about books. You want to get chocolate all over my them, book page? Them books go on fire. <laughs> So let's start at the beginning with the dowdy woman we all recognize and love's son. Charles what? A. C., born March 15th, 1882 in Ontario, Canada. Chuck C.? Chuck, Chuck, Chuck C. Charles grew up to be just what you expected him to be, a pharmacist. Mm. He ran two pharmacies in Ontario that had signs on them advertising pills and things. <laughs> but then fire purified all, eh? On July, <laughs> al- July 11th, 1911, forest fire struck the area, burned down both of his pharmacies. He himself barely managed to survive it by taking his wife and their three kids and wading into a lake and waiting for the flames to go away. Wow, that's yeah. dramatic. Can I make a... He's being real dramatic. When both your pharmacies burned down? Suspicious. Yeah. That is is when both your pharmacies and half the county line hmm. Hmm. suspicious. I see what you're doing. That's what the cop says when they arrest him. Something's a little suspicious here. Uh, I did it. I did it. I'm a good, honest Canadian. I'm sorry. Well, you get away with it because you confessed. This was when Charles decided to switch careers to something even more vulnerable to fire, chocolates. Oh. He became a sales representative for the Merkins Chocolate Company in Toronto. He sold raw chocolate to candy companies like Laura Secord, which was basically, it seems like, the Canadian equivalent of what C's is. Mm-hmm. He had an affinity for chocolates that he had inherited from his mother, Mary. She was born in Ontario, Canada also 1854 as Mary Weissman until she married a man named Alexander C. in 1874 and became Mary C. Together they ran a hotel on Tremont Park Island where she started making chocolate candies for the hotel she and her husband did. Mm. This is in Canada? In Canada. However, Alexander went to the big assorted box of nuts and chews in the sky (laughs) in 1919 so Charles decided to take his mother in and not long after decided it would be best if all of them just moved someplace else away from these suspicious... uh, Fire marshals. Fire and uh, let's go. They wanted to go someplace warmer, someplace without wildfires. So in 1921, <laughs> the C's family moved to 462 South Marengo Avenue in Pasadena, right by the Halloween house. Yep. But Charles came to Los Angeles with more than just a Canadian inclination to wearing flannel in warm weather. He wanted to open up a candy store, a la Laura Secord, where he sold chocolates from the recipes that his mother Mary is making. So that same year, with the help of a guy named James W. Reed, who falls out of the picture pretty quick here, what you recognize that name one of the survivors of the genre party oh really no that's him james reed he went and moved on to he was so hungry he needed to open up a chocolate store he opened up the very first c's candies at 135 western avenue north in what is now kind of the outskirts of koreatown it had a black and white checker design that all the stores still have today that was modeled after what mary's kitchen looked like in their pasadena home so that's why it looks like that the store even had a portrait of mary c up on the wall that all the stores still have today and mary c was only 65 when she moved to la so she can't have been happy with how that portrait portrays her. She is looking dowdy. (laughs) Maybe you guys want to take a picture. People have pictures now. Technology is here. Maybe take off 400 years. (laughs) The candies themselves were, like I said, all her recipes and Charles insisted on using only the finest ingredients. They were referred to as being even above top quality. This was C's quality. Charles' motto was quality without compromise, which is still their trademarked motto. The candies were so good that they became very popular. And on top of that, 
Charles C. was a really good businessman, so he knew how to grow the brand. Pretty soon after this, they opened up a second location, which might have been attached to the Chinese theater. And then they opened one at Hollywood and Vine, and then one inside the Roslyn Hotel downtown. And in 1925, they already had 12 locations in Los Angeles, and people loved their chocolate. They even started selling ice cream in some of the stores, which I really wish they still did that. In 1928, they started making candy deliveries in a custom-built Harley motorcycle driven by an employee named Hugh Fry with a little mini C's candy shop as a sidecar. Oh, that yeah. sounds great. I know. Imagine a siren. Chocolate. <laughs> chocolate. Chocolate. Oh, someone's going. Oh, no. Get a tip ready. Uh, do the sign of the cross. <laughs> Business was booming and then the depression hit. Uh, Stores were closing left and right, most of all frivolous things like candy shops. However, Charles C. was smart and he managed to convince the landlords of his stores to lower their rent until things got better, arguing that low rent is still better than no rent and they actually agreed to wow. this. Wow, that's, that's a good argument. That's their new motto. Low, yeah, low, seize candy. Low, low rent or no rent. <laughs> still wasn't enough though. They had to cut their prices from 80 cents a pound down to 50 cents Oof. a pound. This was a price cut lower than any of their competitors and they were still making a higher quality chocolate than everyone else. But the real thing that saved them was that they started offering bulk pricing. So if you bought 50 pounds or more, the price per pound dropped to 42.5 cents. So this brought in a lot of business from local organizations that would buy the candy in bulk and then sell it at their fundraisers for oh. profit. So with these tactics, not only did C's manage to survive the depression, they had a huge expansion during the depression. That's uh, really hard to do. It's hard to expand when, when you're depressed, unless you're eating a lot. Which, uh, I tend speaking to of do. all this chocolate, uh, speaking, speaking of how sad I am. On November 24th, 1931, they opened Mary C's Sunlit Candy Studio. I emailed them to figure out where this was. Yeah. They never responded. Right. Too, cherry. My yeah. email went straight into a cherry cordial. Somewhere in LA, it had a big open window facing the street so you could look into their kitchen and watch them making all the chocolates. This grand opening was a big gala event with searchlights and celebrities, but really it was done just in time for the 1932 Olympics of which C's was a sponsor. So they were getting their name out. The Olympics brought a more broad exposure for them outside of LA, which helped them grow even more. They got big enough to open up an entire factory near USC during the depression. Then between 1936 and 1940, they were able to expand out of LA city limits and opened up 18 of Mary C's dainty white shops in the Bay Area of San Francisco. Why? Why not stay here? Why not keep it local? If a business stays stagnant, it's no good. No, stay stagnant. If business stays stagnant, I, that's good business. That's the C's way. I'm picky. I demand loyalty from businesses. That's really great. It's so hard. Like, I've been watching the Dust Bowl from Ken Burns. The idea that anyone was making money. I know that he was raking in money yeah. and building. He built like 40 new locations. Like, ima- the imagine, like, in the Depression and just everything feels like everything's financially broken. Yeah. Like, I'm and opening a new a, store. It's like, like C's candy in the middle of a dust storm. You just hear, like, the hammering of a new construction of a frame of a building. And people, like, come in from, like, yeah. Miles can I have like, a job? Can I do that? I could do that for a nickel. Now that they had it in San Francisco, San Francisco, this positioned them nicely to be part of the 1939 World's Fair oh. in San Francisco, where they set up a candy-making kitchen display, which now made them a national name. The Great Depression turned out to be just that for them in the end. A Great Depression. Because it was great. Sadly, on July 31st, 1939, Mary C. herself passed on to that great nougat in the sky. But Charles kept the business going and maintained his mom's original recipes. And then World War II two hit and they needed sugar and chocolate to make into bullets so everyone started being (laughs) rationed on those things and that is 
Not good when your business relies on sugar and chocolate. But Charles, always insistent on only the highest quality ingredients, instead of using inferior quality ingredients to keep up with the demand, instead he decided, we're still going to use the best, but since we have less of the best, we're just going to make less candy. They still made good candy, just less of it. They had limited supplies and the stores would close when they ran out and that would take like two hours. But that drove up the demand really high. So there were lines out the door every day of people hoping to get in there in time to buy a box of chocolates. And those lines still exist. Yeah, there's still, I'm still, I have have a ticket. The war could have been done so much sooner if people weren't waiting in line for (laughs) these candy chocolates. You have a notice you have to serve. You have to go to San Diego in the morning and fight the Nazis. But I'm in line. I'm sorry, sir. Oh, Uh, Hitler can wait. (laughs) So they managed to stay afloat and were very popular during the 40s. But again, at the end of yet another decade, another member of the C family passed onto that giant space cordial. Charles himself died November 6, 1949. He's buried at Forest Lawn Glendale. Taking over the company firm was his son Lawrence, who maintained their quality and reliability, but brought them to the next level. That same year that he took over, a C's candy float appeared at the Rose Parade, which it brought them their first TV exposure. The float was a giant rabbit pulling around that looked like a giant frog. I don't know why. You don't know the old rabbit and frog story? (laughs) The shapeshifters? You don't follow Native American myth stories? Haven't you heard the old fable of the C's chocolate and the rabbit and the frog. (laughs) Then once this became a thing in the 50s, he started putting C's in shopping malls all around the state, which is now a signature of things. Then in 1961, he opened up the very first C's outside of California in Phoenix, Arizona inside of a mall. In the 60s, he also got the company doing mail orders around the country, and they became the first company to have all their chocolate delivered to their factory as a liquid in tanker trucks, which is something that they still do. This led to an accident of my dreams. In 1994, when one of the truck drivers fell asleep while he was pumping the chocolate into his truck spewed out and flooded the street in chocolate wow yeah i would be there in a heartbeat with the sharpest teeth (laughs) fighting through concrete i could still taste some chocolate (laughs) but of course he can't end a decade without a death and in 1969 lawrence died and the company went to his younger brother harry who i guess didn't like chocolate that much so one of the kids lawrence c you know it's harry c yeah larry and harry c i see i see i see what you're doing okay harry c we put the company up for sale this could have been a very bad thing. Luckily, January 1972 is sold to someone who is not only a fan of their business model, but also of their peanut brittle. Warren Buffett. Really? Warren Buffett owns C's Candies. Stop that. It's weird, but it's true. That's so weird. He put people in charge that were already a part of the company and even had worked with the C's and let them keep up the good work. Just do what you're doing. Yeah, do what you're doing. But having such a major investor behind them also allowed for new expansions for the company. They opened up their first international location in Kowloon, Hong Kong in 1976. 1985, they started making their truffles, which I can't believe they were around for 60 years before they started making truffles. <laughs> in 1995, they got a website which you could order from. In 1998, they opened up a special factory in Burlingame right near San Francisco that focused entirely on making a new product of theirs, lollipops. Oh, yeah. So all the lollipops are made really? in that factory. On National Lollipop Day 2012, which we all know is June 20th, <laughs> C set the Guinness World Record for the biggest lollipop ever made. It was 5 feet 11 inches tall, which is as tall as I am, and mm-hmm. it weighed 7,003 pounds, which is way lighter than me. It was a chocolate-flavored lollipop. They have two regular factories. Now, one is in South San Francisco, which focuses on the creams and truffles, and then there's the one right here at 3431 South La Cienega and Baldwin Hills, which mm-hmm. focuses on peanut 
dip riddle, bonbons, and nuts and chews. I love it. The bonbons are still hand-dipped, and each maker puts their own signature swirl on top of each of them, so you could almost tell, like, oh, yeah. this, is, oh this, burning. this is Susie. Yeah. The brittle is made by two machines named Tweety and Sylvester. They don't have any signature. The candies that fall on the floor in the factories are sent to farms to be fed to pigs, which is a life one can only dream. <laughs> and I saw those pigs racing. Oh, They're racing love. for a box of Seas chocolate. <laughs> Didn't even touch the floor? I'll be there. <laughs> they still use only the best ingredients. There's never any preservatives, and their eggs are all humanely sourced. The original recipes of Mary C. that they still use today are for the peanut brittle, chocolate walnut fudge, Victoria toffee, the bonbons, and the maple walnut creams. I can't tell you how hungry I am right yeah, now. I, I'm sweating. I'm so hungry. They sell over a billion pieces of candy a year and give over a million free samples every year. I feel like a good percentage of that is mine. Yeah. If they give a million, say like 990,000, go to you. Hey, I go to they malls. offered. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of shopping to do. They offered when I asked them. 80% of all of these sales happen around Christmas, Valentine's, and Easter. Mm-hmm. They now and have my grandma's birthday. <laughs> they now have 250 locations in 17 states. That includes Japan, Hong Kong, and Macau. And about 150 of those 250 locations are in California. And their employees seem to love working there. And they're deeply dedicated. A lady named Dorothy Gray Forbes was the one who designed all their ads and also the candy box design with like the little cottage that yeah. they still use today. And she worked there for 50 years just really? designing stuff. Cher used to work at a C's Candy in LA before she met Sunny. And she's still like, I love C's. I used to work at C's. <laughs> if you follow Cher on Twitter, which, we which everyone should. Which we all do. A great follow. When you download Twitter on your phone, it comes with It's like that U2 album that everyone got. (laughs) Their fans are just as dedicated as Cher. It's pretty cult-like, and it's also mostly still a West Coast thing, so it's on the same level as people's devotion to In-N-Out without the Republican stuff. And the store is good to all of us in return. In the 80s, they discontinued the maple walnut creams, and hundreds of people wrote in demanding that they bring it back. So not only did they bring it back, they gave all those people who wrote in gift certificates to get free candy. After the Northridge earthquake, they even gave 40,000 pounds of chocolates to people living in shelters. I'm still waiting for mine. <laughs> in 2001, they came out with a C's candy Barbie. Tr- she works try there? eating that. Yeah. She works there? Yeah, or share her skin is just like mm, Ooh, maple. No, she works there. And I bring her in and I try to collect her paycheck. <laughs> they won't give it. One final thing on C's because it feels like all my stories had to end with some connection to this. The Baldwin Hills factory is where two wacky ladies named Lucille Ball and Vivian Vance went to spend an afternoon learning how chocolate factories work to get them ready to film that chocolate Really? Episode. So she came up with the idea at Edelweiss, learned how it'll work at the Seas Candy That's Factory. funny. And they were eating Abba the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> that was the real twist. All that chocolate was really Abba Cut up Abba That's the only thing they'll shovel down their mouth. <laughs> I'm not joking. I feel like I'm going to pass out. I'm so hungry talking I, I, about candy. Yeah. I really want a lot of chocolate right now and I want to dress like a goblin and go rob a liquor store for yeah, I know. candy. <laughs> and have a seance see if yeah, they're going to catch me. Fortune teller. Fortune teller. It's really late night now. I'm going to go home and eat so much chocolate before Melissa can scold me. Yeah, she will scold you too. She doesn't like that when you, when you do that. I'm on her side because you break out, you get cranky. If you have <laughs> and I don't like candy. seeing you with pimply face. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, candy. Halloween's great. Halloween's great. Halloween's is and always been my favorite yeah, thing. Festivities and chocolate. I, I, I love it. I'm yeah. Just, God, I'm so hungry. We should cut right now. <laughs> yeah, we should end this. I'm going to pass out. I hope that everybody listening to this also wants candy. Yeah. You know what used to get me crazy was the me and my brother and summer breaks, we'd watch Willy Wonka almost every day and we'd pause it at the opening credits and be like we have to go to the convenience store two blocks away yeah. and get some candy so we would pause it when it's there's like it looks like the Kit Kat part and they're just uh, like dropping chocolate on it yeah. and we'd pause it on that God, go it. get candy you're, you're literally killing me right now I'm not joking I feel like I'm gonna topple over I have celery in my bag just get some for you. <laughs> I need celery I need, <laughs> I 
need watercress. Does, <laughs> in, does, does anyone have just mustard or something? <laughs> a rich history of candy. Oh, God, don't say rich. It's making me think of buttercream. <laughs> I was shocked at how much candy culture there was. Here. Yeah. We have a lot to contribute yes. to the candy world. Here's something you can contribute to my candy world. I'm, I'm speeding this up. I got to get out of here. There's a cookie in the refrigerator. I got to get home. She ate it already. No, if she ate it, I'm surgery's coming. When I get <laughs> Here's what you can contribute. Five chocolatey stars on iTunes. Leave us a review on iTunes. Please. Uh, Laura's please. been doing that recently. Thank you so much. Yeah, we've we been getting more of them. It. Leave some, if you want, if you have an iPhone, it's easy to just leave some stars. If you want, go the extra mile. Leave some words for us. It helps us. It increases our credibility. Gets us more notice from people. People send us letters. They send us centerfolds of Burt Reynolds when he dies. We love it. That's what we're in it for. The centerfolds of Burt Reynolds. Yeah, that's all I do anything for. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at LA Meekly, on Instagram, LA underscore Meekly. We post a lot of pictures. Like us on Facebook. Send us an email with comments, suggestions. Field trip ideas. Field trip ideas. If you work at an interesting or historic place in the city, anything you want to email us, LAMeekly at gmail.com. Our main hub is LAMeekly.tumblr.com. archive is there. We're on YouTube if you want to listen that way. And we're also on Spotify now. We're on Spotify. We're on everything. I mean, we're on everything. Don't give us this. I couldn't find you. Yeah, I couldn't find you. Yo, we couldn't find you. In the desert where we buried you. (laughs) Any closing thoughts on this uh, candy episode? I hope I eat a lot of candy. I will. My girlfriend will hate me for it, but I'm going to do it anyways because I don't know how to stop. Why do our girlfriends hate gluttony so much? What's wrong with them? Can't Um, I just eat myself to death in in peace? Playing the character, you know, the character in quotations for the intro. I'm like, this isn't a stretch. (laughs) I want candy. Yeah. This was a really bad idea to record this episode without a lot of candy. Yeah, we should have really overdone it and had like a family style buffet of candy right here. (laughs) A lazy Susan in the middle of the table. Two lazy Susans, one for each of us. I'm not sharing. (laughs) One for the rappers, one for the one for the homies <laughs> uh, i want to leave right now. <laughs> hey i hope you all have a good uh, october i hope I, you do a lot of fun halloween things it's a great month for this yeah and i hope to run into some of you goons out there come say hi if you see me find us on halloween we'll be parked outside of the sharon tate murder house like we did one year oh and it was god. so scary we don't even know if we're, we we drove yeah, by we a dark was. driveway we're like oh god <laughs> meant nothing something bad probably happening and then we passed we went through like beverly Glen to get yeah. back to your place and i was trying to get you to drive through to penguin canyon at night and you no, refused. I, I will not do that. Anyway, really, I'm losing a lot of blood You're sugar re- right now. You look now. really bad. Yeah, have a nice Halloween, yeah, everybody. Have a nice Halloween. Um, we'll see you in November where it's time to... We're doing other things with pumpkins in November. Yes. Sorry. I was having another thought of, we'll see you with the Star Wars trailer. And I thought, is that coming out? Then I came back and you're like, pumpkins. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. Good luck. That's been another episode of Alley Meekly. Oh, I'm not done yet. Have chocolate. <laughs> We'll travel. All right. So like Greg said, that has been yet another episode of LA Meekly, your favorite gay affair since 2013. Goblin stuff. <laughs> I'm not joking. You I'm doused bad. in sweat. You look so bad. Mm-hmm.